take a sip out of your mug with your mug drinking on that mug it's mez on mez action here that's all we ever do you know it's like drinking out of my brain fruitful plentiful drink it, it in it wouldn't taste that good well depends what you're feeding it you know hey we're back kids for molding <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, 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 guess the chord. Well, I don't, I can already see it, so. Ah. Uh, for everyone else, that was a D minor nine, played on a Faith acoustic guitar, so, you know, it's what it is. Hey. Hey. We're, we're back, we're back. We're back. Uh, we did have a bit of a week, a very hectic week, so everything kind of went a bit disorganized. Went by the wayside. Yeah, a bit by the wayside, and we've wanted to do this one for a while, but... Yes, we are back. Love doing the podcast. Got my merch on. T-shirt. Hey, we got a couple of sales, Mez. Got a couple of old, old sales. Got a key ring. That got sold. Got a little uh, coaster. Got a 50 Ways mug, you know. Because our lovely mothers. Yeah? Can't go wrong. Can't They're our wrong. biggest fans, yeah? We don't need anybody else. We'll just guilt trip them into buying every single bit. And we'll make our money back. Quid's in, right? Well, you say money back. I haven't actually spent anything on that merch ah ah well no nah, no nah, don't don't worry about the money part of it i'll <laughs> i'll look at the money side of it and figure it out and i'll run away with it yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine but yes thanks to old debs and old mags both oh, of our mothers gosh. respectively got a nice little selection they got um i think your mum got the coffee with mez mug which i've been getting loads of comments saying how amazing that mug is and people love it and want to get it um, Pretty cool, yeah, I love it. I it mean, is great. How how are you with the final design? Because you didn't really see it until like uh, until I basically made it. Um, I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's wonderful. There's a backstory to the photo. Um, for those of you who don't know, that was a picture that was taken of me while we were on our first tour, our first ski season. It was in Switzerland. It was in the live room, and I was just supping on a supping on a little coffee. Um, really, really nice. Uh, the hotel there, Hotel Post in Zermatt, amazing place, fantastic. It's uh, it's Big like up. a different world. Big up to John. John. Yeah. John. That's that's the John. only thing we call him as well. Just John. Just John. Just John. Just if you know, you know. But yeah, he looks a bit like uh, James Hetfield. He does. He does look a bit like James Hetfield, but he's a lovely guy. I think he's the either the, the manager of the um, bar yeah. that's there, yeah, like the kind of a uh, breakfast bar. Something like that. He was uh, something along those lines. That's better. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, real nice to really catering. Um, as was everybody. As was everybody when we were there. Just really nice guys. Really nice people. Um, and it's a, it was a pleasure to be there. But yeah, that's where that photo comes from. Uh, the photo was taken by our ex-bassist, Matt Buckingham, um, with his tremendously high-quality phone camera. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a meme and a bit funny, but now it just sort of feeds back in and uh, makes a lot of sense. It's uh, very, very relevant. And I love that because I, I don't think either of us either, even thought of that um, in terms of like... Yeah, I mean, we'd have to be thinking about that in 2018. Uh, and we hadn't even dis started discussing the podcast. I remember you saying around that time that you wanted one. Um, but we never really spoke about 
what it what it would be, who it would be with. I remember you mentioning a guy a guy we know called James Doyle. Uh, I really rate him as a guitarist. He's a lovely dude. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it didn't really come to anything at that time. Uh, obviously, now it has. And it's very cool that we've managed to feed that back in. And uh, it means everyone can have coffee with Mez in their own front room. That is true. That is true. That you're in the hearts and homes of, you know, at least one person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, our patreon yeah. our patreon jack sharp um who is a legend isn't he right miss oh um he was like he wants to get a, a mug of each of our faces but as like a matching pair so he wants the merit coffee of merit one coffee of meds but he also wants one with me like a specific one so he was like maybe you've got your headphone and your beanie on or like you're holding like a beatles album in your hand or something he's like try and think of that so like a little exactly like check this out you know so maybe you need to return the favor maybe you can find mm. a photo of me glorious oh, photo of me and then I we'll, have to do that do i we'll tie it in you know we'll tie it in oh bloody hell <laughs> yeah no we'll, we'll we'll think of something and uh for those of you who have uh noticed the difference in uh the sound that i have this is the last week uh that this sound will be happening i do apologize for any sort of weirdness coming out of your uh, speakers headphones into your ears uh we shall return with it or i rather shall return with a better sound next week um <clears throat> just kind of a work in progress uh, i've had a lot we both had a hell of a lot going on and um yeah some things have fallen by the wayside but we're we're back on form now back on form now anyway marv um I today I discussed having a new segment, um, which you didn't seem too sold on to begin with, actually. <laughs> well, um, I was I was trepidatious. I was trepidatious, but you know, we talked about it for a little bit, and you know what? We'll give it a go right now. We'll okay. give it a go right now. I don't know if we've got an actual name for it, but I'm gonna go for uh Mez Vegan Munch Reacts. There we go. Today, go I, have so. vegan, I have a Ginster's vegan peppered steak slice. Here's, here's the packet for those. Other, other types of other brands do vegan slices as well. Just to let yeah, you know. By Ginster's. Okay. By Gin, Gin, Ginster's. Ginster's. So what? Ginster's. Oh, you mean, okay. So if they, if this one drops on the floor and you need another one, but you don't want to pay, you want to, you know. Ginster's. Ginster's. Do you love Ginster's, mate? I am I am a regular eater of Ginsters, specifically a particular uh, a particular bar of sausage <laughs> and breadcrumb, which uh, produced many laughs <laughs>, laughs at many service stations all up and down the UK. Um, how yes, are we how are we rating this then, Mez? How are we going to rate it? So we're going to rate it on okay. smell. We're going to rate it on taste uh, compared to meat. And then overall, you know, would you buy it again out of 10 or something? We can we can have a go. I was thinking taste, texture, appearance, and comparison. So, okay, how, how's the appearance? I mean, it's a little bit flaky. Flaky. In places. Flaky. Um, there's a nice seam around it where you can, you can see that it's been cooked. I like that. Um, a couple of the... 
the holes where it's been scored on the top, they're actually holes now. I don't love that. It doesn't feel overly that stable, but then a lot of Ginster stuff doesn't, especially with the slices. It smells as pastry should, but as we know, it's vegan, so there's no egg in this pastry. That's true, or milk. Or milk. It does smell relatively inviting. Like Again, there's, there's marks on the bottom. You can see it's been cooked. I like that, so I'm going in. It's a big old bite for people who are not watching it on the video. He's gone for a big old bite there and he's incapacitated with it. There he goes. Add one. He's thinking. He's thinking. He's nodding. He's nodding. In a pr mm. Yeah. Thoughts? I think that's better than the usual steak one, you know? He's gone there. He's gone and he's gone in for a second bite. This is a success, I think. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm thinking this is a high eight to nine then if he's thinking it's better than normal ones and he's he's a fan of the peppered slice can't even say it he's a fan of the peppered slice <laughs> of okay so it's not very peppery overall although ooh, no it is it's just hitting me now oh it kind of caught you on the back nine like an after yeah mm. so overall the pastry the texture it's relatively nice. It's a little bit squelchy, um, but all of their slices are squelchy. The deliverance of the steak, steak filling is uh, consistent and it's well spread. The flavouring, I don't know what it is. My, <clears throat> I think if someone gave me that and said, here's a steak slice, I wouldn't know it was vegan. It's a very good taste but compared to the other steak slice it's not like a meaty meaty taste you know okay um but no it's a very nice flavor it's a very nice sort of structural layout yeah i'll give it an eight eight out of ten pretty high pretty high so that's mm -hmm. the one to beat then so that's the bar that's the bar not the scotch egg bar that you eat all the time and it's absolutely minging just to basically imagine a scotch egg just pushed and mealated down into this weird bar thing. Um, so I may as well be eat, continuing to eat that. You'll get that gone. And um, next week we'll have to find another vegan snack. Uh, if you want to comment, DM, anything, ask Make Mez, what vegan snack should he be eating? And should he be sipping it down with what in his James Merritt 50 Ways mug available at Etsy? 50 ways podcast store we're going to put the link out to everybody we let our patrons have a little looky round and they're thinking about buying and stuff and you they feel pretty good i like this tea this tea feels pretty good money yeah give us all your money i don't care what it looks like or how you feel whatever just give us all your dirty stinking money um and we can produce amazing content like this you know anyways anyways yes we, yes that was that was good We'll have a quick we'll have a quick overview about our week. So obviously we got back to gigging. Uh, we gigged on the 24th of June and we had a wedding all the way in Cornwall. Very, very long way, but it was lovely. We played a three-piece acoustic and everyone was sat at their tables. Everyone was very, very good on the COVID guidelines. Uh, I think we left about quarter to one in the morning and I got back about 10 past six. Oh. So it was very, very, very long drive, but it was the first time in the new van and tunes were had and we stopped for coffee halfway through Clumpton. Hey, hey, good times. 
loved it. It was just like being back, back to normal, you know? Um, mm. We since played another wedding, um, which was interesting because we were in a big marquee and obviously the COVID guidelines were that people can't dance inside at the at the tables. So they went to the right hand side uh, outside the marquee. And then on the first set, we were still playing straight down the marquee. So like facing nobody. So in between the first and second set, we all kind of shifted 90 degrees and we were playing at these people and they really, really enjoyed it. We did a really nice, um, their first dance was like a drum and bass remix of uh, God Only Knows. And that was a little bit tough to figure out, like, you know, as a as a kind of pop rock function band, how to kind of play this drum and bass song, this drum and bass song. But I felt like it went off without a hitch. So really good. And it was nice to be back. And yeah, that one wasn't too bad. I think I got back about 10 past four in the morning. So I shaved off two hours mm-hmm. and we've got two gigs this week um, with rehearsals and it's been interesting. It's been interesting. It's been great. Mez has had an extra activity with his metal band. If you care to divulge. I have indeed. We've, um, we spent two days last week, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, we spent at Orchard Studios, which is near Wells, not Wales, Wells. We spent two days recording our first single. Um, it was very successful. We had a lot of fun. There's been a vlog put together. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it was great, actually. I haven't been in a metal band since I was about 20. Something like that. <clears throat> so a good seven years then. Yeah, a little while. So it's nice to get back into the swing of things. Um I love what we do. It's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it was kind of the first thing I did, you know, it's very, um, very deep emotional connection to that sort of music. And it's, um, it's been a departure. I've had to practice, which is, uh, you know, I, I always practice. I always like playing guitar, but it's kind of strange to have that back on the level of like, you got to practice now to get your get you up to standard. Um, but it's also kind of nice. You're challenging yourself. You, you're playing new things. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I took a bit longer recording than I would have liked. But we had plenty of time and got it done well within time. Well within time. So, yeah, it was just really nice to be back at a studio and just sort of hang out um, sort of take the mic for two days. Um, you were a crucial part of that. You helped us get our gear to the studio and back. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's bit, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was nice to do again. So yes, keep your eyes peeled for that, podcasters, because I imagine we will end up putting it on the end of a podcast once it's done. And I thought I dropped my sanitizer. That is why, if you're watching the video, I just shook like I, yeah. But, <laughs> it's shaking like a shitted dog. Um, so, yeah. But, lovely, lovely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, mate. And it's wonderful to be back out gigging. I, <clears throat> I had some sort of preconceived notions of anxiety and stress. Uh, the morning of the, uh, the one we did in Cornwall, the 10 past six return time, I was the most stressed I've been for years. I was very, very stressed about that. Um, 
but my wonderful partner managed to sort of, you know, just take a step back. You've got this. Um, here's this. Here's that. Do you need this? Do you need that? Uh, very much helped me. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just sort of back on with it then, you know, just let's power on through. Let's do some gigs. Let's earn some money. Let's get me out of bad stuff. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride. And uh, it's all, I almost, I almost said it's all been worth it then. Nothing has been worth COVID-19. Zero. <laughs> Nothing. Get out. Leave. Hey, we wouldn't have started the podcast if it weren't for COVID, I'll tell you that. That's very true. We would not have had the free time to be able to build it up. Very true, mate, yeah. But, exactly. um, you know, peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. Exactly. So, yes. Exactly. So, Indeedy. very quickly, we'll go on to some comments. I've got two here. Also from Jack Sharp. He says that he also loves how Merritt is slowly severing ties to every musician going. This week, it's telling Rick Wakeman he's a Z-list. So, how do you respond to that comment, sir? Rick Wakeman will always have a place in my heart. Uh, due to six, um, six wives of Henry VIII, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and that astonishing piano part on Life on Mars. And obviously not forgetting that wonderful keyboard solo in, um, in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. On the album Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, there is a tune. That is called. Well, you can get it. You can get it. That's a good what does a what does a magician do when he reveals a secret? What does he say? He says, "Bugger off!" It's not true. Um, oh, sod it! Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I got on. it! I got it! Sabra Cadabra. There we go. Um, I love Wick Rake. Wick Rakeman. <laughs> Wick. Rakeman, I've gone you, for there. Z-list, and you're mispronouncing his name. He's going to hate me. Uh, no, I love Rick Wakeman. Uh, he's, if, if you've never heard of him, go and check out Six Wives of Henry VIII. Go and check out Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Um, <clears throat> there's a very sort of fine attuned taste to that music, but it's worth the journey. It's worth the journey. Um, very, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Um, yeah, he's he's done session work. Um, for everyone and anyone um and of course i've also forgot to mention he was in yes um which is a big accolade and a big part of his life and i'm not uh, our relationship's through he's never yeah. going to meet me for a coffee he you've hates, ruined it you've ruined he it hates me um also, I was watching Filthy House SOS the other day, and there was a guy on there that was the absolute dead ringer of him. So, not only is he Z-list, not only can I not pronounce his name, but he's also got a dirty house. <laughs> and is in need of help with it as well. Mesla, Mesla, so, what are you doing? Yeah, here? so what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, uh, just for our patrons, I'm going to put up a photo, a side-by-side -side shot of Rick Wakeman and this man from Filthy House SOS. And decide for yourselves. But he's he's pretty on the money there. Um, no, I love Rick Wakeman. And I always, always love Jack Sharp's comments. Um, I always like to check my phone um, just to sort of make sure I've not missed Anyone? Uh, Jack messaged me about the merch. Yeah, it's out, buddy. Go and buy some now. 
Uh, um, I've also been chatting to Mr. Sam Walton. Um, and I, lo I, I love Sam. I don't know him hugely well. I, obviously, I've met him through you. You guys have been friends for years. Um, but I always love hearing from him. Uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with him. Uh, but the time I did spend, he just seemed like a genuinely lovely guy. And he came to our first ever gig as well, didn't he, at, the, at Mr. Wolves? He did, yeah, he did. Um, so I've always got time for him. Uh, but he was talking about getting some um, getting some advice from us to sort of progress a little bit further on the guitar. Uh, and my advice is don't ask us because you will never progress because we're both terrible. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always welcome questions. I always welcome messages, uh, especially from you, Sam. Regular listener. I, I've got all the time in the world for the for fans of the podcast um so yeah just feel free just send me a minute it could be four o'clock in the morning and he's active now i could ring him couldn't i like, <laughs> sam you're live it's saturday night <laughs> um <laughs> a patron cool and eh? that'd be good literally um right yeah. Hen henry wheeler another patron uh he's gone great pod as always lads i'm a big biscuit fan this is a reference to because it's a oh, biscuit wow. episode. Yeah. Found myself balls deep in a biscuit mosh pit about three years ago and loved every second of it. Okay. Never seen them before, and it was a great way to release some pent up energy. Rad. Love you, boys. Keep it up. Never stop. Never. Never, ever stop at yeah. all. We'll be here in our, in our, oh, let's say 50. Then you're in your 70s now. We'll be here there in our go. 80s. <laughs> Mom, you remember the album? By Britney Spears, I can't remember it myself. It was such a long time ago now. That vegan pepper steak has penetrated your brain. That's made you go mad. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? <laughs> he has, and Daddy's here. Um, Daddy is here, and Daddy's Daddy Mez is here to talk about singing show albums, singing competition albums. Yes, we all know those people that go on those shows and they want that success, they want that fame, they want that glory, but they kind of just want to go, you know, six or seven steps to it. They don't want to put in the work necessarily, exactly. or they think exactly. that that is the work. You go get Simon Cow to go, yeah, you're good. He says that about five or six times. Instant success, eh? Hey, we know yes. that. So this one definitely seems to be the easiest excuse for a reason for someone to hate an album, in my opinion. I think if you if you see an album, you go, who's that? And they go, oh, this was somebody that was on X Factor or The Voice. I think for me personally, yes, me personally, um, I'm already going to have a negative outcome of that, a negative perception. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just going to think it's too manufactured. It's not going to be of any good quality or substance. And well, the picks we uh, we looked at today definitely confirmed that, and it was definitely very hard to kind of really rally behind these albums. But luckily, I kind of found a good little thread around it. So, you know, members of the general public willingly put themselves on television for an audition for our judges. They either advance or they go home, shatter dreams safely in their pocket. Um, you know, after each stage, eventually the final, we get a winner. You know, the person who's the best at the singing, at the dancing, at what songs they've picked instant stardom and adulation awaits right until the actual work starts you've got to honor your contract you've got to sing what you're told you've got to appear where you're meant to appear and if you don't it's bye-bye contract and it's hello reality you know yes. um there's a lot of these shows um pop idol definitely was a precursor to the x factor the american song. idol pop yeah. stars the rivals the voice the x factor 
Um, you know, and now when you look into bigger things, you know, we had Big Brother, which was a, re- a, a very interesting, unique and first of its kind reality show that obviously wasn't about singing, it was just about people living together. But now we've got stuff like, you know, Britain's got talent. America's got talent. Next top model, Bake Off, Garden Off, the world's next biggest popsicle artist. Who's got a somewhat marketable skill to make more money off than the person providing such small skill, you know? It, I, don't, I don't think they're ever going to stop being made because people are very interested in the people that suck but don't realize, the people yep. that just suck and they know they suck, but they go on anyway, the talented diamonds in the rough and kind of just a you know, hometown hero or interesting, you know, very sad, empathetic storyline kind of deals. Everybody, it just makes good television. Imagine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everybody loves that sort of heartbreaking story and then like a a runner up like oh my god yeah oh he's he's like the underdog and oh he's so talented and oh and it's i openly believe it devalues what we do um because obviously it's it's the classic isn't it oh you lot should go on x factor why would i want to do that why would i want to do that i mean on, on the one hand it would be slightly different due to the fact that we're professional musicians we play our instruments to make money, whereas these people can just sing, you know? Uh, There's usually, most of the time, very little to no uh, sort of precursor of training. It's just, it's like Susan Boyle. Everyone made an assumption on her. Um, In fact, I didn't write it down, but I remember the quote. Uh, Do you ever remember Russell Howard's Good News? I do remember Russell Howard's Good News. Yeah, there was a thing on that where he used to obviously discuss what television shows were on over the week and what what was on them. And um, yeah, there was a thing on there about X Factor and uh, Susan Boyle or Britain's Got Talent, whatever complete useless rubbish that she was on. Um, And he was just it's like, oh, look at her. The, the quote went something along the lines of, look at her. She, she looks like she goes into Tesco and shouts at the cheese. <laughs> and to me, that, that devalues her. Um, but he pulls it back by being like, and then we heard her sing. And oh my God, everyone felt, everyone felt terrible. And went, we've got to buy this album now. And devalues her even further because it's like, I'm only buying it. Not because she can sing because I, I made a presumption upon her personality due to what she looked like. Um, yeah, and I mean, you've also got to consider the, the, the sort of ideology around she's been a normal individual her whole life. And by normal, I mean she's not been in, public, in the public eye. She's not had an abundance of money. Um, she's, not, she's not needed any sort of star qualities, has she? Um, when I talk about star quality, Simon Cowell uses it all the time. He thinks it makes him sound interesting. Basically, I whittle it down to professionalism. Um, and if you take an average Joe off the street, give him a platform, it ain't going to turn out how he thinks it will, let alone how you think it will. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. And like I said, it there's just, for me, personally, what well, me personally, um, it devalues what we do, and on top of that, it also provides a sort of veil of lies as, as, as also as to what we do, because it's like, oh, just go on X Factor. Like, that's an easy thing to do. Like, 
we both know someone who went on X Factor who can actually sing really, really well. And they turned the individual down. And they were like, oh, so why do all the bad people get through then? And they were like, entertainment, innit? So just to put that into perspective, every time we watch someone terrible who cannot sing, and we've all done it, we've all gone on YouTube and gone, X Factor 2007, worst entries. We've all done it. And, you know, there's no shame in it, but you are adding to the fact that these whole these people's lives for the rest of them they'll be known as the individual who thought they could sing but were actually utterly terrible um and it's embarrassing because a lot of people say like they must know but some people genuinely don't um that is that's one of those things that makes my brain it tickles my brain a little bit yeah because like being musicians you know what notes are you know how they work together you know all the ins and outs of theory and you know how to play and how to recognize when something's not right. And because that's so innate in my brain now to think that someone would sing and not know if they're in key or not, that's kind of strange. In fact, someone who went to our uni did a, did a study for their dissertation on it. I think I can't remember. Who, but, uh, I, I was actually really interested to read the outcome, but I never did. It's that whole if someone's pitch or tone deaf, can they be um, taught or is it just like, that's it? You're, yeah. you're tone deaf forever. Um, there are certain things like uh, Freddie Mercury could loosely play guitar, uh, but Brian May more or less pulled his hair out trying to teach him how to progress um, because he just couldn't, he, could, he couldn't make it work how he wanted it to. Could play the piano like an absolute demon but the guitar yeah. couldn't couldn't get on with it. Could not get on with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult subject to assess. I think it's a difficult to sort of approach. I think those shows are absolute garbage. I think they should be removed off the television. But as you said, there's too much curiosity surrounding it. And on top of that, people like Simon Cowell are making way too much money, way too much money for it to end. Um, I tried looking for scandals online because I've really got the feeling a couple of years ago someone took their own life because of it. Um, I couldn't actually dig anything up. Um, I'm not. I haven't heard much, anything about that. I know that happened on uh, Jeremy Kyle's show, which is did. basically the British equivalent of Jerry Springer over here. Yes. Um, yes. There have been scandals before with certain artists that have either appeared before or were already signed yes. or had been involved in certain kind of, you know, un-PC or not un-PC, but not non-PG uh, related uh, films and things like that. Um, but I hold the same opinion as you. I think it's garbage. I think it devalues the industry. I think it kind of ruins the industry. But the yeah. problem there is, is that there are willing members of the public who Ooh, participate yeah. by their own accord to go on these shows because they want to be famous. They th There's a lot of people that think that is the only way to become a successful pop star. Yes. And that can be quite scary. Um, I've been a part of an X Factor audition, uh, albeit it was before actually going to the, you know, the premises. Uh, I auditioned with a singer uh, at our university, two people, representatives of X Factor, 
two representatives of X Factor came down. It was the voice, actually, was it not, Marv? Might have been the voice. Again, it's one of these shows. I again, I can never really differentiate between any of them. So, I remember playing "Falling" by Alicia Keys, um, and they were mesmerized by the singer, and they kept pestering her. They were like, "Please come down, audition for real." And she's like, oh, "I'll give it, I'll give it a thought." And they just kept asking, and apparently, they kept on messaging her and messaging her and messaging her, and she kept being like, "No, no, no." And eventually, they stopped. Um, I also heard through the same singer that another singer she was working for as a backing vocalist was approached by a show <clears throat> which will remain nameless and after he had refused to go on they went we'll make sure that you win so that was a little bit like Good okay that kind of reaffirms that reaffirms what i was thinking complete, complete garbage yeah yep and we also know of another singer um that went to our university who actually was on these shows and she got quite far she was mentored by a very popular musician, one of the panelists there. Um, and I think she's quite embarrassed by it now. I think she was a good experience for her. Um, but she says, you know, it was really weird to have his phone number in my phone and like chat about things and him to yeah. mentor me and things. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she never really brings it up. She's not very fond of, of that time maybe, or I just feels a little bit embarrassed by it, but um, you know, she she now does function work and she's great. She sent us a lot of kind of uh, voice notes and messages regarding all this stuff. So what I might get her to do maybe next week is um, I'll message her and see if she wants to kind of tell her story a little bit, see if she's happy with that. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. Um, or if she can give us like a pre-recorded bit of it. We'll find out. We'll find out. So Mez has already told me his thoughts kind of about those stories really kind of encompassed it all, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. but the thing is, is these shows are not new by any stretch of the means. The earliest, uh, incarnation of this I could find was like a radio show. Um, it was called the major Bose amateur hour and it came out on April fool's day, 1934. Now what people would do is it was in America, WHM radio, people would ring up, um, and they chat to the contestants or chat to the people they're going to sing. And then they do a performance. And if Major Bowles thought they were good enough, he'd put them on his vaudeville tours and he'd have a lot of them going at once. Um, yes. There wasn't no phone voting or anything like that. It was just kind of like an entertainment thing. I eventually went onto television and there were two people that kind of found, two people that went on the show that, you know, went on to do kind of big things. Um, there was this like really, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard of him, mate. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I think he sold a couple of like, little records kind of here and oh, there. Oh, yeah. It's like really, really, really underground. I think he did a cover of like Limp Biscuits My Way, maybe, like one of that or something. And, oh, no, didn't he do You Make Me Feel So Born to in the USA? Run? Yeah, one of those, like going about going yeah. to the moon or something. Yeah, like something like that. Bless him. Like, oh, you no, know, didn't that right. say, Sail Me to the Sun? Is that right? That sounds about right, but hey, oh, no, he's a nobody, and he don't think he did anything after that. Um, and then there's some opera singer called like Maria Callas, who like, I mean, apparently she was like the most influential and like you know renowned opera singers of the 20th century. But like, what does that really mean? Also, you know I mean? I've never, I've never heard of her. So, and she's probably dead now, so I can't even come for her coffee. So, where's her remix? Where's her remix version? You know, Chance the Rapper, Bieber, and Skrillex and stuff like. Can I okay. dance to it? Can I get drunk to it? Can you twerk say, to it? I was going to say something rude then, but... There you go. Yeah, well, I, I intercepted you. <laughs> Obviously, we're kidding. 
Um, yeah, that's absolutely. amazing that those two artists were on there and star power talent and, you know, actual legitimate musicians that were exposed to a wider audience through a talent show, which is what really it should be about. Yes. And we obviously uh, are not going to sit here and say that, that the X Factor and all these shows don't do that because there are some people that go on there that are genuinely very talented and use it in the right way. I would argue One Direction in, in regards to maybe someone like Harry Styles. I think he's a very talented musician and, and singer. I think definitely. he's done that brilliantly. Ollie Murs, you know, he's definitely branched out and made a good name for himself. Um, in the UK, we got Opportunity Knox. Um, that was yeah. kind of our first kind of talent show thing. Uh, that was started in September 1949 as a radio show again. And it's kind of on and off, went to TV. I think it stopped about 1990. But that was the first talent show that had a phone in poll, which is the standard now for everything else. Um, yeah, so really... That's all I've really got to say kind of with the pretext of that. Um, would you <coughs> like me to go first, Mesla, with my pick? Well, I'd just like to add that I uh, I do agree with you that those are obviously the earliest examples involving technology and that sort of thing. But I'd go one step further and say that there are comparisons here to the Victorian freak show. Oh, okay. In the not the not not the contestants are freaks. That's not what I'm saying. They're big freaks. They're man. huge, massive freaks. They're huge, enormous, ugly weirdos. No, I'm joking. Of course I'm joking. What I'm saying is you're, you're, you're paying for the existence of this entertainment, as it's so-called, um, basically to laugh at people, to look, to marvel, to ogle, and... And, and be entertained by who they are and what they do. And I mean, the Victorian Freak Show was very similar to that because there were things that you wouldn't see every day and you'd be amazed and humoured and, you know what I mean? You'd be in awe. And that's where I think the comparison lies because we're all in awe of how terrible some of these people are. Obviously, it's modernised. We're... we're it's a bit different now. However, I, in a lot of ways, I don't think it is because it's it's still um, entertainment at somebody else's expense. You know, and, and that's that's how I see it. That is how I see it. It's very um, you minimalize the lives of these people and what they do and what they are capable of purely based on their musical talent or lack thereof point thereof but yeah that's kind of where i see the comparison that is kind of where i see the comparison um i don't know maybe like i'm being that. too harsh no i like that i think that's that's yeah. perfectly right i think if you look at the train wrecks you look at the you know worst x worst x factor auditions on youtube and things like that you are going there purely to be entertained and you know freak show in the term of the victorian sense okay woman with a beard, elephant man, Absolutely. all of those kind of things, a man with six heads or something. Um, in this sense, I guess the term freak would be more like train wreck. People that think they can sing and it's terrible and it's awful and it makes you laugh. But again, yeah. any publicity is good publicity. All the bad acts, even if all the, the whole show was just modeled around everyone being terrible, I'd probably watch it more. Yes. It would be more attractive to me 
because you just go, oh my, why has nobody stepped in and just gone, maybe just stay at the factory, you know, just make the bread pudding, just hunt to yourself. It's all right. It's all right, mate. Don't, don't go see Ant and Deck, you know? But the reason for that is because of exactly what you just said, because it would be, inter- it is interesting to watch it. Is we, we've all done it. And I'm not saying we should feel bad for that. It's there for our consumption. Um, but it's it's like anything. If, if, if nobody watched it, they wouldn't air it because there'd be no money being made. There you go. Yeah. When, we, when we crack into it, probably with both of our picks, it's all about money, really. It's all about that sweet money and the elusive contract that doesn't seem as lucrative as it sounds, um, no. especially now. So I got an honorable mention before I get into mine. Honey G. I was going to do Honey G, but she actually doesn't have an album out. She only has singles. So I thought, right. not that fair, not that fair. So she reached the semifinal. She was trashed in the media for being a huge novelty act. And to be honest, they don't seem to be wrong. She's a rapper with five singles out. She was a very working class, normal white woman. You know, don't want to make any stereotypes or any assumptions about anything. People playing any genres, playing people performing in any genres. But the image definitely came across as, across as very farcical and just, oh, here we go. You know, laughing stock. Yeah. Um, her first one was the Honey G show. That was the first one. That was the only one that I think was underneath the Psycho label, S Y C O. That's Simon Cowell's record label, that is a subsidiary of Sony. Um, it's a blatant and very clear rip off of Twenty Four Karat Magic, Bruno Mars, especially with the intro. Yeah. Um, she complained the single didn't get promoted enough. Yet she still stated that she hopes to tour the globe and sell millions of records. Uh, and then the second hit hit you with the honey G proclaims that she is indeed a bad hard fly girl. Who's also the realest chick in the game. She's also bussing too. You can find her on the dance floor. If you have misplaced the location, she's going to be there. All right. So don't worry about it. No one's stealing her flow. When she says that she's living the dream and she's loving it. The line is wrapped with so little conviction and truth behind it. It hurts. Like when she says it, it's just like, it's so whimpering and it's like, you're, you know, when you watch interrogation videos, when the person's just about to crack, it's just like that. And you're like, oh no, please. So see-through, but riding hot, you know, she adds courageous rapping to her musical CV. So not only is she bad, hard, fly and real, her rapping's courageous, you know, book her now, please. Your next event mm-hmm. in Sandbanks, please. Um, she'll sleep with your wife and she'll cause you no strife. And she's a self-admitted maniac, all right? So when I call her a maniac, I'm only quoting from Honey G, all right? So don't sue me. Uh, Then we got Jerk It. Tells us to party like we ain't got work. But, you know, I have got work. I've got work tomorrow. I've got work Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I don't want to party like I haven't got work when I actually have got work. Because it's it's awful. We've all been there. You've been sent home from work for being too hungover. I've gone into work on New Year's Day being hungover, trying to clean out chicken grease. It's it's an experience. So, Honey G, nah, I ain't with you. I ain't with you. Uh, She demands a Benz and a Porsche in Jerk It. I don't want to give her a Benz or a Porsche. That's a lot of money. Um, Waiting for Your Love, right? This is her latest single. She's singing now. She sings the whole thing by one rap. She's branching out, baby. She's branching out. All right. Um, 
she wants my tender touch. And if I put my guard down, she can show me love. All right. Fair deal. Fair deal. And a little rap, she tells me it isn't a crush. And guess what? The sky is not actually gray. She tells me that. Look out your window. What's the color of the sky? Uh, it's blue at the moment, actually. Oh. She lied to me. I mean, there's bits, of, there's bits of gray, but I'd say that's more, more of the clouds. What a maniac. What a maniac. Anyways. Anyway, she can't, can't believe that. So apparently she's working as an estate agent. Uh, but, you know, now with COVID hitting us, maybe she's going to release some more fire material and be a millionaire and put out loads of stuff. But, you know, my guess is no, she's not. She's, she's fine as she is. Um, but yeah, my pick now is uh, Ewan Quigg with his self-titled debut album, Ewan Quigg. Uh, it was released on the 6th of April, 2009. Now, Ewan Quigg, he finished third in the fifth series of The X Factor. He was beaten by runners-up JLS and the winner, Alexandra Burke. Now, both of those acts went on to success, um, branched out into TV work for JLS, theatre for Alexandra Burke. Uh, I think she did The Bodyguard, which uh, a singer that we know went to and said it was phenomenal. She was absolutely insane. Um, not a maniac, not like Honey G, insane as in her vocal chops were top-notch. Um, Beat Again by JLS will forever be a tune purely because of the subject matter of the song that, you know, they all, I guess they all went to the doctor because they're all going out with this same girl, right? And the doctor's like, right, breaking up your girlfriend will physically stop your heart from beating again, right? That's what they get told by the doctor. So they lay it all on this girl, right? Guilt tripper, you know, saying, come on, you, you shouldn't, if you leave, I'm going to physically stop beating my heart. It's going to go. Uh, and the only remedy is love CPR. So I've never had love CPR. I don't know if you've ever had love CPR. Again, this is a children's children's show. Yeah, I can't uh, say I have. I can't say I have. The, uh, the chorus always makes me chuckle. We should get back together. We should have never broke up. You're telling me that my heart won't beat again. Poetic. Poetic. Beautiful. But a banger. That first album actually has a couple of good pop tunes, you know? I'm not yeah, you, you bought it, didn't you, Mark? Is that correct? I believe I bought it for an ex-partner. It was like uh, a quid. It was like a quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah, a quid yeah, somewhere. Yeah, and... And I bought it someone else. It's not mine. I spent 50 quid on it. Oh, and they signed it. Um, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I am going to go and look up how much things signed by JLS are worth. Okay, you do that. I'll keep on talking to the old, the old peoples, yeah? So Quig was the first of the three, those three acts to release an album. Uh, he was given one whole week to record it. Not nine months to a year, which seemed to be the general time that a lot of other people um, on those shows got given. He got given one whole week. Bear in mind, he's 16 to 17 years old here. Um, one week to, you know, pick the songs, record the songs, record the instrumentals, record the music, record your vocals, mix everything, do whatever, be satisfied with it in one week. Um, how do you feel that would that pressure would handle you, Mez? I mean, <clears throat> a whole album. How long's the album? How long's it got to be? How many tracks? It's about 40 minutes long, and I'm gonna say it's probably about 10 to 12 songs long. I will just double check for you, but you carry on. That's a lot of work for one week. It's 11 songs long. 
that's a lot of work for one week. That's more than a song a day. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That is, um, that's a lot. Unless I'm going in with things that are already like half written, that is a lot of work. Hmm. Um, JLS side merchandise. Go on then, kid. You spent 50 quid on that CD, did you, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. I got a signed UK tour t-shirt from 2013, signed by all of them in good nick. Yeah. Picture of them looking fly <laughs> underneath it. And it is 30 quid. So Ooh. they saw you coming, kid. That's all I'm saying. They have made profit, just like we've made profit on our merch. All right. Go on our Etsy shop. We'll put the link down below. And if you want to go on our Patreon and sign up £3 a month for a podcast day, I look for everybody else and some maybe extra content. And you can maybe have a look at the mug that's on the mug. You know what I'm saying? That's a little play on words. You know what I'm saying? Because we're wordsmiths. www.patreon.com forward slash 50 ways podcast. I spell it out. Five zero ways podcast. Get on down. Nice little community. You can chat. You can do whatever. And Mez is going to bring on home. My eyes aren't brown. Well, they are now. They are now. I'm going to bleach them. Nice, nice. So this album has one original song called 28,000 Friends. and the One other, original song. One original song. The other 10 are all covers. Now, I'd say most of them are songs that he performed on the show. So I guess he's already, he already knows how they go and maybe knows the arrangement he'd do. But performing something live and playing something in the studio much like Mez has done recently with his uh, metal single and his band are two different types of beast. And they, they're different musicians that, are, that like different types of it. You're either really a live player or a studio player. I'll say that without sound like I'm going to cry <coughs> live player or studio player. So, you know, a week to do some covers. I mean, that lessens the pressure a little bit, yeah, I would guess. Way more. But it's still a lot of work. It's still a lot of work. You know, you're not just doing the vocals in a week. You've got to do everything else. Um, so, you know, we can already kind of compare it to the debut albums, you know, the Beatles, Black Sabbath, where they were just like, right, we've got a live set. We'll just go in, we'll record it. Everyone got a good take? Yeah. Do you fluff up a little bit there? I mean, I did, but it's not that bad. Yeah, cool. Okay. Do you want to overdub? I mean, I've got time. Maybe just do the solo. Yeah, that's all fine. Right, we've got to go back out. I've got to go gig. You know, their landmark landmark albums um so you know i'm comparing it in that way only um not in the, i guess the quality of the work but you know where the ten thousand hours of dedication to the craft you know the marathon sets playing the dingy club in hamburg the long drives in a van to the venues like a character from the sims you know quig's just placed right into the world of working musician skipping all the many vital steps that he'd already skipped due to the whole show so he's just skipped so many kind of uh, little benchmarks and watermarks that I feel like you need to even go through. Yes. Um, and he's just straight in a recording studio with, in a, with a studio he didn't pick, with a producer he didn't have a choice over, with songs that he had no choice over, um, and just had to do his thing at 16, 17 years old, missing his GCSEs. Um, that's big. Um, it's kind of like a football tournament, isn't it, really? This whole X Factor process. You kind of just win, you like you win and then you go again, you win, you win, you win, you win. And then it's coming home, you know, footy's coming home, singing's coming home. That's what it's all good about. Are you referencing the fact that he's a footballer now? 
I'm not, but that's a good tie-in. Apparently he is a footballer now, or he has played football since about 2015. Uh, I think he's now actually a radio host as of last year. I believe that, yeah. Very interesting. So again, he's landed on his feet, no pun intended, and, you know, kind of branched out. Fair enough. And he's taken all of this, as you know, what I'm about to say, all on the chin. He seems very positive and upbeat about it. Hasn't kind of let it ruin his life. Um. So yeah, even the album artwork shows a very unsure looking quig with like a slight smirk that yes. doesn't really go past an embarrassing implication of like, I'm sorry, I tried. That's the vibe I get from the artwork. He's not fully behind this album. And nope. I don't think anyone was at the time. I think it was a one and done. Now this album gets absolutely vilified. It got vilified when it came out, gets vilified now. It gets portrayed as the worst piece of music ever recorded, which mm-hmm. I, I I do not agree with. A thousand percent do not yeah. agree with. And I'll get to that in the end, but let's discuss maybe some of the tracks. I'll discuss the weaknesses and what goes on. So 28,000 Friends, I think, is probably the highlight of this album. Uh, it's written by a guitarist from Busted. And I'm going to find his name because classically, for some weird reason, I've not put it in the right order, but uh, James Bourne, a busted. James Bourne, okay. He wrote 28,000 Friends. It's very, very busted-like. It's in the key of G, kind of follows all the similar kind of traits, like a pop punky, but more in a pop realm song. Uh, It's got a very nice secondary dominant in it for you music theory nerds. I quite like that. In a kind of a a weirdly unexpected place in the chorus. I'd say the chorus is quite catchy. Um, you know, it's a safe affair. And that's really the only tolerable, you know, moment of this whole album. But let's go back. So the main a main uh, criticism of this album is the singing is awful. Singing is awful and just doesn't, you know, it's not competent and it's terrible. And it's offensive. Now, I don't think that for that to be the case. I do think that he's definitely not a developed singer at this point. He's 16, he's 17 years old. Yeah. Think about all the steps he's skipped. Think about all the gigs that he hasn't done to break in his voice, to find his character, to find his tone, to find the riffs and the, the notes that he likes to stay on or choose. And the lack of vibrato across all the tracks is astounding. Um, so it's very simple, pure singing, you know, maybe how like we are with backing vocals when we do them. Um, we're definitely not, we're definitely what, you know, I wouldn't class myself as a singer or a vocalist. It'd be great to be. This is very, very hard to do. Um, but we can both hold pitches. We can both harmonize. And I would never then do a solo album with myself singing and stuff like that. This is how I feel like it would come out. This album would be what our Alps, our solo album would be like if we had to do loads of covers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, year 3000 gives us like the Americanisms that are like a gray area for singers. Um, some artist songs and some words kind of seem to sound better when you soften the consonants and shape the vowels differently. It kind of just makes it flow easier and that's fine. But when you do that more and it becomes too obvious, it can really push it into like a generic stock um, kind of sound and it loses its character, loses its charm. And then you can get yourself through because people just hear good, murd all that stuff, the softening of the O's and the, and the U's and things. Uh, She's the One, Robbie Williams, a classic, a classic. 
kind of a rewrite of Angels when I really think about it. It really is. It's a very good tune. It really exposes the lack of power and dynamic in Quig's vocal performances. When he needs to be matching the power of the music and volume tone, he stays exactly the same low intensity, um, just singing the pitches. Now, he kind of just stays in this kind of mixed voice or this kind of like light chest voice um, that's quite nasally. Um, he doesn't really use a lot of falsetto. There's not really a lot of like um, belting or high kind of moments. Um, and again, that's sorely needed. Whether he could do that and whether the producers went, we got final say, just sing it as it is. Maybe he didn't have enough time. I mean, a week to do 11 songs, 12 technically, because there was a bonus track, which I'll get to in the end. Um, maybe it was just a one and done, one and two and done, little punch-ins and all that. Fair enough. Auto-tune, good. The only change in dynamics on She's the One is the solitary one towards the end of the song. And it's so badly needed, but it's too little, too late. It's literally one, the word one. Um, a big sore point. So I think the worst example would be the first chorus lines of the final track. Never forget. Want to take that much memorable and signature tunes. He's pretty much buried by the choir when the chorus yeah. kicks in and it's quite a high note. Um, I don't know why it wasn't double tracked or sung differently. Uh, maybe it was his limitations, but basically when that kicks in, the whole choir just get boosted up in volume. He is like in the background of his own song. And that's not how it should be. Your, your, your name is on the front. Your picture's on the front. It's your album. It's your time to shine. You should be at the forefront, my friend. And Again, all of these pressures being 16, 17, not knowing what you're doing. He was like, you know, I had no idea how to make a record and all these things. You're just going to be told what to do and just accept it. He hasn't got any leverage or power. No. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it just exposes his lack of technique and experience on an established pop classic. Um, and that's the obvious reason to point towards he's a 17 year old lack of experience performing recording and time dedicated to the craft of music. Um, he just needs a little more time in the oven, Mez. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, maybe he should have paid for more vocal lessons, you know, out of his advance and spent some more time on his vocal arrangement, but that costs money, money. He already owes money on top of money that he already owes money that <laughs> psycho want to recoup back from this album. And yes. from a contestant that came third behind JLS, behind Alexandra Burke, whose latter's debut single, which was Hallelujah, cover Hallelujah, was wow. at that point the biggest selling single from an X Factor contestant. Now, they're obviously going to make their money back if you're, you know, selling, yes. you're the biggest selling X Factor contestant now on that one. You and Quig, I don't think was going to make any of the money back. So, what can you do? You know, that's kind of hard, especially with that, especially with, with those two people. And they were big, weren't they? When they came out, JLS were pretty much established. Yeah. You think about the other bands, it's not like the wanted. Um, oh, I remember them. Yeah, there you go. But I remember them, but JLS had a bit more staying power, you know? Yeah. Well, they had tunes. They had the tunes. They, they had, had tunes. but they had nine months to a year to be in the studio. They had the right producers. They had better songs. They actually, had, they actually had their own songs to perform rather than covers. Exactly. It's almost like, so Ewan Quigg, was he backed by someone, one of the judges who already had a relatively successful act? 
Now, I think, I think he was mentored by Louis. Okay. I think. But he signed a deal with Psycho. And then I oh, think this is he, after X Factor. This is after X Factor. So he was on the show, came third. Okay. Then he got offered a deal. I think he signed with RCA Records, who then decided to put his album out. But he was the first one out of those three, Alexandra Burt, JLS, and Ewan Quigg, to put out an album. As we know with the X Factor as well, this is another kind of weird paradox. Just because you win the X Factor doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You can come nope. second, you can come third, you can come fifth, and you can put out records and you can be a household name. I believe Ollie Murs. I believe Little Mix, JLS, they were all big stars and they all didn't win the X Factor. But Oli Mers, I believe, outlasted anyone in terms of his career. I think he's still going now. Yeah. So really it's like, well, what's the point of winning the show then? Answer me that, yeah. What What's the point of winning the show if you can still be successful without winning it? Well, something that... Something that, um, I mean, we've already sort of half discussed it. It's, um, to me, it's, it's, it's not knowing, you know, proper channels and correct things to go through. I mean, there is no A to B map uh, to get from, like, a position we're in to a position someone like a mega pop star in the charts is in. You just, there is and there isn't, isn't there, you know? It's, um, but due to the fact that it's unclear, this is why we get these channels, you get these sort of, oh, how did you know? Oh, I know this guy. He recorded this. He passed on to this guy. And now all of a sudden I'm signed by by Virgin and I'm starting my album next week. And then I've got a, a, a six-month headline tour across Europe. But then you've also got, um, and I know quite a few of them, genuine, like, fantastic singer-songwriters who do everything themselves. And it really works. But there's just no, they don't seem to be, yeah, they're, it's like they're on the cusp and they're getting there, and but they just haven't got the backing. Uh, the right people don't seem to be hearing it. So for that reason, I think it is, it's a mixture of unknowingness, um, not knowing how to do it, not knowing anyone who knows how to do it. Um, I mean, um, um, I mean, it's important, you, you, you watch the telly, and someone's, you know, that all this stuff starts. And I literally anyone can apply. I could apply to be on Britain's Got Talent or X Factor tomorrow. And, you know, train my vocals up a bit, write some catchy pop songs, current catchy pop songs. And I, you know, practice, 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 practice. And I, I don't see how... I would just be shut down immediately um, because it is a bit, you know, I'm a larger guy. I've got a shaved head and a beard. I'm a Bristolian lad with a very, very thick accent. It's, 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 a, it's a heartwarming success story. <laughs> I had a young lad who had no real success in music because that's what they'd say. They wouldn't say making money with a professional function band. No real success in music. Yeah. And He's decided to to really try and give it his all. And if I appear on television and go, Granddad, this is for you. I'm selling millions, mate. I'm a rich man overnight. 
Um, so, patrons, vote now. Do I go on the X Factor? Do I crack <laughs> myself up? So, uh, and I love it when uh, when these shows are made light of because these people have money, money, big old spondulas. There's for those of you who are aware of David Mitchell and uh, Robert Webb, they have a sketch show called That Mitchell and Webb Look. And there is a sketch on there uh, where Robert Webb is posing as a um, as a presenter on a talent show, and this woman comes out and it's it's she's meant to represent the average working class, you know, sort of middle aged woman in the UK. And she comes out, she's like, "Oh, I gave it my 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 heart and soul, and that's all I can really do." And Robert Webb is just like. Do you not think singing lessons or practice would have been preferable to your heart and soul? Well, I just gave it my heart and soul, so that's all I can give. And he's like, but surely it would have been better than that awful din you just performed in that room. And it's proper, it's it's real. like she breaks down and gets upset. And it's, but to me that represents it. It's like, yeah, do you not think that getting some advice, some professional advice on the matter would be better than just going, La, 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 la. Yeah, I can see. Mum, call the X Factor people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going. Would it not be better? Would it not be a preferable? It should almost be like a helpline worldwide. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to go on the X Factor help me, which could then turn yeah, into his own reality that. show. All calls, all calls are recorded live and are no. true. No, 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 no. I think... You'd be like, you'd be like, here, I'm gonna go on the X Factor. I'm gonna sing Meatloaf Bav out, and I'm gonna bloody go for it, and I'm gonna trim my beard up really nice, and I'm gonna say that I'm an orphan. Literally, mate. But that's the point. Ta- that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. Sing Bav Hell the whole song, even if they go and stop, stop, stop. You can just belt it. That's something else I absolutely hate. That is so- that's the one of the worst parts of the show, and I'm gonna outline the worst parts of the show. But those big old, are you a child? Can you not communicate? You're like, okay, I've heard enough of this. Yeah, but it's not you funny have... though, is it? It's exactly. better when someone does that. It's more tense. It's, like... it's ridiculous. The noise is horrible. It's offensive. It's incredibly rude. And you know how I feel about rudeness, Marv. You bloody ate it. And it's, it's, it's irritating as well. And it's just such a... Awful noise. Poor does Simon Cowcare. I'm just a, a little lad, you know what I mean? Just going about my business. He's You're just a little quite, orphan boy from, from Bristol, living in a box. He knows one song. He's the um he's got a lot of money. But I don't I don't like especially amongst musicians, and in fact I've quite a few members of the UK, he's not respected. Um I think public persona for, for for i'd say the general public no i think he's mo- he's made himself the brand that he is like a hated guy or you know not the most lovable likable guy yeah. i think that works to his advantage but Probably. he has definitely been a part of a lot of music that you're either not aware of and that we respect um yeah or just been a part of deals where you're like oh i didn't realize that person did this and did that and did this <laughs> Um, but as we'll find out with the contract that um, people were signing about 2008, 2009, 
you can find out what they actually can and can't say about certain people. Um, but back to old you and Quig, I think, again, he was just another part of the process, as was the X Factor and his album. He was rather a part of the process rather than like the main vital cog. And I think that's the problem. Um, he's not the standout star on his own album. The songs are the standout stars. Yes. So it's tolerable when you listen to his only original song. It details the infancy of social media and the importance of going outside to play. Doesn't that sound like our parents when we were teenagers? Oh, yeah. that video game you're just talking on there. Why don't you go outside? It's safer out there. And then it turned into, oh, don't go outside because there's people out there that will try and lure you and take you away. Stay inside and play video games. It's just mad shift, mad shift. But yeah, 28,000 friends. Um, you know, we take the song and Quig as one. They become unified in quite a catchy tune. Um, it's mostly a safe affair, like I've said. But the irony stifles this song. So it was written by James Bourne Busted. But we also have a cover of Year 3000, which yes. is one of Busted's biggest hits. So what happens is, is that song steals all the power and traction from 28,000 Friends because it is essentially a Busted song, which I think James Bourne had already performed about two years prior to this coming out. Um, it becomes a song you remember after listening to this album despite it having 25,000 more numbers in it. Um, and then to further bury 28,000 friends, I think two tracks later, because this is track one, track three is all about you. Yes. Oh, McFly, which is an amazing song. McFly have uh, underrated back catalogue. They've got yeah, some bangers. They've got some they're absolute great. bangers. Um, you know, they're so connected to Busted that there was even a super group, McBusted. And yeah. then I went to see, well... I was in, I was at Butlins, I believe, on a holiday, and I seen the tribute group to Muck Busted called Mac Busted. So figure that one out. And one of their last songs they played was Shut Up and Dance. So that's really weird. I'm watching a tribute band of two groups together doing a cover of a song by another band. Strange. That's so, that's so niche. So, so niche. weirdly niche. So weirdly niche. Yeah, that's um, odd. very odd. He might, Quig might as well have just done a whole Busted McFly tribute album and that yeah. would have fitted more of, I guess, the style that maybe comes across better on this album. I think the pop punky kind of stuff works more. But we can't, but we talk like, you know, we had time and the power to make decisions like that. We can't play football fan manager here today. Can't be done. These well-known songs that Quig covers take center stage and elicit feelings from the listener of where they were, how they were feeling at the time, you know, that the more quintessential version was played rather than the you and quick ones. So take the song home. Now I know it from the Westlife version and that was a major success in the UK and Europe. It's originally a Michael Bublé song that came out in about 2005. That song reminds me of driving to Devon with an ex-partner for our yearly holiday with her parents, relaxing by the seafront, drinking Thatcher's haze, spending money on books. I still haven't read board games that I still never, you know, play travel board games. That I still never travel with and a big bag of marbles because you go to the marble museum. Um, you know, the way the different voices enter on the Westlife one, you know, really create tension and release. It's really nice to hear different voices, different tones. Um, it really sets up the scene. It really serves to bring up the meaning of the lyrics, you know, a man missing his partner, opening that door, seeing your other half. Um, the explosion that is the ending chorus is really encapsulates that feeling of said front door opening. 
Um, it's every rom-com put into an ending. I'll say that again because that makes no sense. It's every rom-com ending put into a song. Um, and Quig's version is like the encapsulation of a 17-year-old telling his crush over MySpace and colorful texts that he wants to be her forever and ever. Or maybe a more sad note, it's the recently separated 39-year-old belling out her Weatherspoons is 199 Pike Foster's dangerously close to spilling out everywhere, you know, swaying with reckless abandon, just waiting to inject his own story of how Denise never gave him the rom-com treatment after a hard day's work, you know, even though he sits on his ass watching Coronation Street reruns on ITV4. But can't wait for our future, eh, lads? Not the same. <laughs> 50s, 60s, sat on a lovely bit of sofa, waiting for your dinner. Gotta be done, eh? Gotta be done. We have pie and chips. There you go. go. Oh, we had pie and chips yesterday. Oh. Tension, trouble in paradise. There you go. So if you were dedicated enough, you could hear a bonus track, iTunes exclusive track. Now, we did have um, Does Your Mother Know, Abba. Uh, you know, these classic songs. We had Ben, Michael Jackson, famously about a rat. Um, but if you were lucky enough, you got to hear you and Quig singing Imagine by John Lennon. One of those songs like Hallelujah, <clears throat> that if you want your public perception to be this nice, caring, loyal, good, clean, pure person who cares about everybody and everything, you pick one of those two songs. You pick Hallelujah or you pick Imagine. And then you do a burp off camera. Which is ironic, really. Why is that? Given, given, I will actually say, but given the uh, behaviour of the man who wrote and released Imagine, but of course, and that was that's another big story in itself, which we could go along and actually do for an episode, because you know, unfortunately, he was murdered, and the person who murdered him um, was like, well, he's singing about no possessions, no peace, and all these things. Not no peace imagine no possessions and all this but he's a multi-millionaire obviously it's more nuanced than that uh it is it just is. a song as well no at the one, end of the no day but really. yeah exactly exactly um but again this was proven during 2020 i think if you remember this i'm going to put the link down below as well of charles cornell doing this version um where he stitched together um all these celebrities that sang one line of imagine each and put it together and that was in response to you know everyone stay safe you know we're thinking of you we're going to get through this together rather than you know staying inside or waiting for the vaccine or donating money it was like we'll just sing imagine because you know you love us it'll make sense you'll, you'll listen to that and be like great that'd be great that'd be amazing that's gonna that's gonna solve covid's problems um and yeah it got absolutely ridiculed absolutely ridiculed so Whenever you hear someone well, singing, imagine this is something else. Problem. On, it's it's very. Um, I can't remember who did it. I know Dave Grohl was involved. Of course, he was. Um, is it God only up, knows? No, no. It was it was a COVID relief thing. I think last year. Was it times like these? Times like these. Um, and like I remember hearing it in ASDA, and I was just like. So this is the other issue I have with these reality shows, okay? There will be a moment where they'll be like halfway through the competition or something, 
and it'd be like, okay, so the voting has blah, 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 blah. And it's not the live one. It's where they're at that like holiday villa. Yeah. And there's like 10 of them stood in a room. And there's like a, the person who will be going through is, and they're all there like. And it takes like 40 seconds to like do every single shot of everybody. Waste of time, but <laughs> is, and then you've, no one notices this. I didn't notice this. There's like a track buried. It's just like, like a really like emotional, melancholic. Imagine a song that you've heard on the radio, a pop song that's quite positive and happy, but at the same time, there's a, there's a drop in the bridge just before the double chorus key change ending, right? And he goes, is, blah, 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 blah. And then it lifts. There's, pro- there's always like a string lift, yeah. like, a, like a tom with, um, with beaters. There's a big lift. And it's all a load of crap. It's all a load of crap. It's all, I want to swear, it's all rubbish. And the thing is, it's never, ever, oh, it's just cheesy, mate. It's just cheesy. And people are sucked into this crap. And that is part of the same world. But I was in Asda and I could hear it. And I was like, this is the, like, the plastic. I hate using that term because it makes me sound like, oh, aren't I above everyone? It's not like that. But it is. It's just this plastic manufactured gooey, cheesy happiness that's so fake. Um, But people just want to watch it. And I don't know, man. I don't want to insult people who watch these shows because if you're entertained by them, you're entertained by them, whatever. That's not for me to say. And even if I did, you'd carry on watching it, as is your right, you know? But I think I've heard it before where people have, judged other people's you know intellect based on the fact that they watch this absolute garbage and i don't think that's fair you shouldn't be doing that if they they enjoy what they enjoy as, as like i said as is their right but at the same time i can, i can i feel like i'm lowering myself to watch it yeah, i hate it and that whole um that whole thing with dave Grohl and who like 20,000 other artists plus a, l- a little one tagged at the end that no one's really heard of but lives around the corner from Dave Grohl and they hang out sometimes and he's gone hey Dave can I be on your track and he's gone yeah why is why is every impression we ever do they're always up north they're always from Leeds or Bolton or something or Birmingham it's insane <laughs> but no it's it's that it's that gooey world and i can't stand it it's that tabloidy um smart price just complete crap and the so the reason why i brought up foo fighters and dave Grohl specifically is because i saw learn to fly Hmm. i'm assuming that's exactly what i think it is it is not foo fighters at all Ah, i believe it is an a1 song Right, a boy band called A1, and they were going to release that as a single, okay. but then they disbanded. So then they, um, you and Quick did it. So it's an album track, 
essentially. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. still, I mean, this is what this world presents because it sounds very much to me, and I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here. <clears throat> it sounds very much to me like Psycho or RCA or whatever. They, they saw this kid. Yeah, it's 2009. That's a while ago in the, in, in the entertainment industry now. Uh, how things move on so quickly and stuff. But um, they obviously saw him on the show when he'll make money because he's a young kid, people will want to support him, and people blah, blah, blah. And I believe you were saying something about JLS and somebody else not releasing something at this point. Alexandra Burke and JLS, they hadn't released anything yet. He was the first out of those three to do that. Right. This is what happened. I'm telling you this now. Don't ask them. Don't email them. Don't invite them out for coffee. They watched the show when he's sick. Not, actually, no. Screw that. They went, he'll make money. I'm going to buy myself some extra deep pocket extenders for my trousers because after we're through with this kid, that's what I'm going to need. So what they did is they went, show's over. Ewan, yes, uh, just want your autograph. Oh, yes, just a sign at the bottom, lovely, jubbly. Right, studio, in two weeks. You've got a week. We want 11 songs. Get it done. Get it out now. Because if they head up the competition, if they cut them off to start with, they are guaranteed to make more money. In theory, that is why it was done so quick. That is why we are subjected to this absolute tosh and that is why it shows in the product, because there's clearly no effort gone into this at all. Or little to know, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it does feel very karaoke-like, I must admit. Um, like you're just listening, like, like someone who just recorded him at karaoke. You know? Yeah, um, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I can, you know, I got to agree with everything you're saying. I also think that, you know, watching those shows to me, it, it feels like it's like when I watch a certain YouTubers that I don't watch their content. I just watch reaction channels of their content because I don't okay. want to give them their money. Mm. Don't want to give them profit or any, any, any ad revenue. So much like the X factor, I don't want to watch anything at the X factor really. Cause it just feels like I'm devaluing my business and you know, more, yeah. view, more views and all that equal to, you know, people that i don't want to give my money to which obviously you spread that out into every facet of your life that's a complete hypocrisy but something that i just you know hold dear to my heart which is music i don't want to do that i don't want to do that so i try and avoid that as much as i can and also they're just not they're not interesting for me to watch at all um but yeah they definitely seen you and quiggan went okay he's got some sort of demographic Let's jump up on it. I think within him finishing the show, I think within three weeks he was in the studio. So it was very, 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 very quick. Um, and, you know, some theories are like, right, he's, you know, all, all he ever need, all he ever was was a one album person, get one album out and you never need to have any more of him ever again, which could be another reason why. But then he just got sudden, then he just got dropped because it was so, the sales were terrible. Um, and he found out, I think through the newspaper, he didn't even get told. So, hello, wow. music, hello, music business. Awful, awful. awful. But yes, um, his Lennon cover, Imagine, is saccharine sweet. It's non-offensive. It goes by without any impact on the listener. 
and by the sounds of it quick himself he just kind of was going through the motions yeah it's an all right song sing this mate it's good all right um i do not i do not blame quig at all for the way this album came out um if it wasn't him it'd be countless other members of the general public in the same position and we've seen it repeated quite a lot um I don't agree with this album being called out as one of the worst ever made and the critics that savaged it. Um, Quig's father vented his frustration to the press about how his son was used by the show, forced to make a covers album, and that even an act like Diana Vickers, who finished below him and I think was some sort of love interest on the show with him, um, she managed to score a number one album. Um, And she also claimed, he also claimed that other acts that signed the deal you know, got nine months to a year to make their albums, which is an average time, I guess. So again, yeah, the cards are stacked up against him. Um, Here's a review from the Express. So the Express newspaper, imagine this being your album that let's say you put in a lot more work to it. You know, let's say it's going to be the the, the solo album you're going to put out soon. The actual one, not the fake one in this storyline. Here it is in full. The track 28,000 Friends combines the love song with a social networking critique. 28,000 friends you've never met, he cries, but you've no time for me. The other highlight, brackets, is Abba's Does Your Mother Know? And there's a lot of syrup to wade through in between. Is he a TV or pop star? Time will tell. Two out of five. Is that even a review? No. Terrible. Terrible. That that reminds me of Spinal Tap, where it's like, for shark sandwich, they just put shit sandwich. You can't write that. Who wrote that? Nah, you can't write that. That's what that reminds me of. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, Peter Robinson, who is not one of my uncles, even though I have an uncle called Peter Robinson. (laughs) I was going to say that. Caught in there. I caught him before he even said the joke. That's how you, that's audience, that's how you got to handle mess, you know. Catch it before the joke goes aflame he'll he'll get it nip it in the bud because he'll run with it and he'll go so far obscenely in the weirdest direction you don't want to do that you don't want to do that he claimed this album to be the worst album in the history of recorded sound a new low for popular culture as it's neither cultured or popular and phenomenally bad worst album in the history of recorded sound that is so far a a thousand percent disagree this is a scathing review of a 17 year old being forced to make an album of covers in basically a week at its worst it's karaoke versions of well-known songs that are plain boring and a bit meh you know at its best it's got a catchy moment and it has an original song Twenty-eight Thousand friends still below average you know it is not a gleaming example it's not a diamond in the rough but by no means is it the worst thing ever recorded in the whole of music and the whole entirety of the world. I just do not agree with that. Um, Am I expected to be swayed into thinking acts like Crazy Frog, Tattoo, and Last Ketchup are put on a higher stead than teenagers' version of already established songs? Now, let's take the latter's example, Last Ketchup. Their only album, which is translated as called Daughters of the Tomato, um, four of the 11 tracks are the catch-up song in different versions. The other seven are all Latin American-style songs that center around acoustic guitar, hand claps, drum machines, flat production, 
and now dated, you know, effect samples. We even get an actual mm. karaoke version of the catch-up song as one of those four. So it's not even like, you know, you and Craig didn't have a karaoke version. You actually have a karaoke version with backing vocals on this album that then after it becomes the Spanish version, it's just like, okay, you're really digging into this. And you're telling me you and Quigs one's the worst one. Um, but again, this sold and boy, did it sell well. Seven million copies of the single, a Grammy nomination and some infamy because people accused it of containing sat satanic phrases in the chorus. Obviously the chorus is an interpolation of um, rappers delight, Sugar Hill Gang, said a hip, hop, a hip, hippie. They're, they're saying it in, I think, in Spanish language, and people have deciphered it. If you take them, the phrases individually, it's meant to mean all the satanic imagery and messaging, and it managed to get banned in Mexico. So when you have that, people go, like we were talking about, remember with Bruce Dickinson, when he's like, oh, punk's just rubbish. People go, why, what? Who's this guy? What band's he in? Let me listen to that. Oh, okay. That one too bad. Oh, that one too bad. Oh, that one too bad. Um, same with Last Ketchup. How can that be that terrible? That's just an easy, cheesy pop song. Oh, it is quite catchy though. Yeah, actually. Oh, there's a dance craze as well. Oh, it's all the way, all the way around the globe. Fair enough. Fair enough. It becomes a children's party song. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter that the song's not cultured not sophisticated and it wins over the hearts of musicians and critics alike. It sold well. It made back the money that was spent on it and all parties were satisfied. It had a global appeal. Like I said, with the dance routine, that is something that you and Quig did not. And unfortunately will never have. What was, what is you and Quig's music? What is his identity? What is his USP? What is his signature song? His appeal to his demographic. The only one I can answer is the last one. He appealed to middle-aged mothers that saw him as his own son. Um, yeah. Does that make sense as a sentence? Middle-aged oh, mothers yes. that saw him as their sons and to teenage girls that wanted to date him um, and hopefully be okay with meeting up to touch each other's face instead of emailing each other, which was in the lyrics to 28,000 Friends. I don't want to email. I just want to come see you in real life, touch your face. Of course you do, you and your dirty dog. Um, there's a reason he didn't win the X Factor and why Alexandra Burke and JLS came first and second. Alexandra Burke was a true singer. She had the chops, she had the riffs. She'd be able to perform, at least perform songs similar to Beyonce, Aguilera, Jennifer Hudson, you know, to that ability. She had the image, she had the sex appeal, and she was the right age. JLS could spread out their image to four members, their personality, their USPs, for teenage girls to debate, you know, who, who actually was the cute one, the silly one, the sexy one, you know, the other one, you know, um, and, you know, their songs talk directly to their audience, not indirectly about themselves or them, which was a lot of the Ewan Quigg covers. It was very introspective about him. Again, nothing new. Look at the Beatles. Look at 50s music. Look at 60s music. Nothing new here. No. So in defense of this album, because I get to finish in a minute, Compared to Quick's contemporaries who were also dropped after disappointing album and single sales and who were allowed the luxury, nay, a suitable amount of time to actually make an album, he didn't do that bad of a job for a year 11 pupil who missed out on his GCSEs. He reached number one in Ireland. He knocked off Lady Gaga on a top spot. 
Who can, who can say they've done that with music they spent seven out of the 365 days recording? Yeah, exactly. That's, I'm not going to shake my head at that, you know? No, no. Um, and out of the 182,000 applicants that auditioned for season five of The X Factor, which he was on, at that point, I think that was a record amount of people that attended or uh, applied. He stayed until the final and got third. So, you know, to quote The Office, what's that as a percentage? That's a landslide, that is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That really is impressive. Even that feat is nothing to be, you know, shrugged at. The fact he even got to make an album, considering he didn't win, is another plus point. A life experience, mm -hmm. something that he now, something, a life experience, something that he now, and at the time, seems to take in a stride. He doesn't let it affect him. Um, you know, he, we've all, we all want to do something like that. You know, musicians, you want to be with the, with the producer, you know, working on these sets of songs, getting the promotion. The, the dream, you know, everyone kind yeah. of thinks about it. Maybe you have different avenues or ways of doing it and what that actually looks like, but he's done it. He's done it. He's got it out of his system. He had a, didn't have a great time with it, but it really isn't the worst thing I've ever heard. And it's not the worst thing to record in music, especially oh. now when you can look, you know, Henry Wheeler, one of our patrons couldn't stand Viper. He listened to one song. He's like, I cannot stand it. <laughs> and you look at the quality of that music versus the quality of Ewan Quiggs. Ewan Quiggs is a lot more slick, a lot more pristine, a lot more professional. Um, all the lyrics are decipherable. A lot of Vipers, I don't get. But I think if Ewan Quigg teamed up with Viper and maybe they did a whole album together, Tig Old Bitties 3. No, you missed it, Marv. Go on then. What are, what's it going to be? Tig Old Ewan Quiggies. Oh, what about Quig old bitties? Quig old, Quig old, oh, that's good. Go on, you say it. Quig old Quiggies. <laughs> or go with the popular Bristol uh, restaurant chain Quigley's. Quig old Quigley's for with added chips and gravy. We're, we're just smashing this out of the park. I'll tell you what. Ewan, if you're listening, because he's obviously he's going to listen to this. This is bloody international. Of course he is. Um, come on down to Bristol, right? Mez will get you a coffee. I might get you a croissant. Yeah? We'll record you. We'll get some tracks done. I'll ask Viper for some instrumentals, because, you know, Viper's definitely gotten some music. You know, he's released about 15 tracks since we've last been on. We'll get it down. We'll get it done. We'll get it happening, all right? 29,000 friends, right? We'll do that for you. Love that. Love that. Anyway, that's... That would be good. That's that's my uh, whole thing about you and Quig. Um, any thoughts on that Mesla, please? I want your thoughts. I crave your thoughts. I mean, I, th I think you kind of got them, really, mate. It's um, yeah, it's just an unnecessary thing. It's an unnecessary thing in the world. But you know, having said that, if if it's unnecessary, does that mean that it shouldn't exist? It's just kind of the way the world is. If something can exist, it will exist. Um, everybody's got a podcast nowadays, and they're all rubbish, apart from ours. Um, everybody has at some point picked up an instrument and had a little, ha-ha, this is fun. But I suppose that's the old point of choice, because if we if we criteriaed and said, no, you must be this and this and talented and blah, 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 then maybe we wouldn't get people 
that break through as, as much as we do. We miss quite a few gems, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Lemmy Kilminster. You cannot join Hawkwind. You do too many drugs. I'm sorry, Mr. McCartney. You cannot join the Beatles with that haircut. I'm sorry, Mick Jagger. You're just too skinny to be in a band, mate. You got a point. You got. A point. You know what I'm saying? If we if we adapt a criteria to these things, it does become very much like who who's gonna who's gonna filter through then? Who is gonna just randomly plop in? You know, it's uh, it's a very interesting thought. Um, as much as I hate it, I hate the whole industry of it. I hate the fact that it exists. I wish it didn't. It, it's, an, it's a necessary evil uh, to an extent. As I said, I would not lose one moment of sleep and not shed a single tear if X Factor was to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow. Um, I, 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 to a, up to a point, I don't understand why Simon Cowell still does it. How much money... Must he need though? That's my point. Oh, you can, you can never have enough money, buddy. If it's money for old rope, as long as the people <laughs> keep auditioning and want to apply, you can keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. I suppose so. Anyway, Mesla, yeah. I've done enough talking for every single podcast ever for the next 20 years. I want you <laughs> to indulge. I want you to go fully in. Tell us, the viewers, me, me on my shirt, you on my shirt, you on your mug, available on our Etsy store, 50 Ways Podcast store. Shameless plugin. Um, please tell us your pick of who you chose. Uh, I chose a duo that were relevant to me due to the fact, get it, duo? Okay. Uh, due to the fact that they were quite, you know, they were in the public eye when, when I was reaching a critical point in my development. Um, it was 10 years ago that this album was released. Uh, I tried to go for the first album, but Spotify does not possess it. So that's on me. However, I have picked Jedward, and the album is Victory. Now, this album was released, as I said, 10 years ago. 10 years ago in a month, actually, depending on where you're from was released on the 5th of August 2011 in Ireland and it was released on the 15th of August 2011 in the UK. It was the 18th best-selling album of 2011 in Ireland. Um, it had three singles. It had Lipstick, Bad Behaviour and Wow Oh Wow. Lipstick was used for their Eurovision song contest entry. So think about that. They were on the X Factor. They did an album, and then they did Eurovision, representing Ireland. Uh, they came in eighth in Eurovision, which is apparently the best Ireland have done in a very, very long time. Wow. Um, yeah, genres. Um, it is classed as pop and synth pop, um, which I absolutely anatomically agree with. Now, most people um, kind of know who Jedward are. Um, John and Edward Grimes, uh, born on the 16th of October 1991. They obviously come together and form Jedward. 
However, I remember at the time thinking it was quite greedy of Edward because he had his whole name and John only had a letter. Um, but they're an Irish singing and television presenting duo. So already we've got three streams here. We've got X Factor presenting things and we've got Eurovision. I haven't even got into it yet. Um, so they first appeared as John and Edward on the show in the sixth series in 2009, um, which is described as generating an ironic popularity. Uh, that was described as the Jedward paradox. And they finished in sixth place, and they were obviously represented by Louis Walsh, who is also Irish. And I get the feeling that's the reason why. Uh, he was their mentor. Um, they've since done, like, I think, is it four studio albums? I think I saw. Uh, I believe they've done four, yeah. Or oh, they're on yeah. their fourth. Yeah, so they've they've got three albums on here with, like, the fourth one. So, yeah, they released, this, I say A. They released three singles last year. No album. Um, they released two singles in 2019 with an album uh, and that was their last album in 2019 actually Voice of a Rebel which I have not listened to I'm not going to lie about that because that's when you stumble on yourself you see yeah so it's um, unsurprising to see that one of the singles from that album Lipstick the radio edit is at the top of their list on Spotify with over 7 million plays. It's unsurprising to me because they very much were presented as the full package. Um, they were quirky, they were niche, you know, twins performing together and they could sing, they could dance, they could act, they could so say write. Um, they starred in the documentary series about themselves called Let Loose in 2010. Uh, they presented a children's TV series in 2011 to 2013 called OMG, Jedward's Dream Factory, uh, and also Jedward's Big Adventure, 2012 to 2014. Um, they were in Big Brother 8 in 2011. Uh, they were in Celebrity Big Brother 19 in 2017. And they finished as runners-up. They were in Celebrity Coach Trip 4, which I've never, ever heard of. These are all Viper albums, by the way. <laughs> they sounded, don't they? Um, <clears throat> their combined net worth was estimated at 6 million euros in September 2013. And they have been rank ranked as the fifth most financially successful former X Factor UK contestants. Say that after 10 Newcastle Browns. So, I'll level with you, all of you, including you. I was surprised to see all this. Now, obviously, I was aware that they did music. I was aware that they did an album. I was aware that they could sing to a degree, you know, good enough to be an X Factor. However good that is, but... Um, I was not aware of the full extent of what they've actually done. And it's enormous. There's so much of it, as I've just briefly listed off. Um, not only that, they're 
But wait, there's more. It's um, quite shocking when you think about it. Uh, but I'm going to try, I'm going to give you some more of the music stuff because that's why we're here. Organized vibrations. <clears throat> and as I said, I'll give you information. We'll discuss it, then I'll tell you what I think. So, Cogito uh, Ergo Sum. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, in March 2011, a 30-second preview of a song entitled Bad Behaviour was posted on the Twins' official YouTube channel. A further clip was posted in May, this time of a song entitled Distortion. Both songs were previewed on tour dates for the Planet Jedward tour. June 2011, Jedward announced that recording on the album had been completed and the album was scheduled for release in August. So, they've teased songs for the album that no one knows is going to exist yet. They've previewed tour dates. And two months before their scheduled release, they're announcing the album and when it's going to be released. So, so far, they're hitting all targets. And you know what? They even hit the fourth, which was releasing the album, because I've already told you, released on the 5th of August in Ireland, released on the 15th of August in the UK. So they're on track. They're doing their thing. Um, yes. The duo's third single, which was Bad Behaviour, peaked at number one in Ireland. Um and also, when it when the album was released, that also peaked at number one, which is quite shocking. So, being an album by a duo that finished sixth in a singing competition, it's already open to enormous criticism. It's already going to be incredibly broad without me even listening to it. I can tell you it's going to be so broad. To me, it's like the whole Mrs. Brown's Boys effect. And then we spoke about, so we, me and Marv also love the series by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant uh, called Extras, which is like, like The Office, but as we've described and discussed, it's like a different flavor. On said show, Ricky Gervais plays a character where he is an extra, but he wants to be an actor. And he eventually gets to a point where he can release his own show on the BBC. And it basically ensues that despite the fact he's written what he thinks is a really good piece of work, he's put his heart, I put my heart and soul in it, he put his heart and soul in it, he really worked for it, it was about his own life experience. He believes the BBC, too many people messed with it, and it became Mrs. Brown's Boys. That broad level where anyone can watch it and find some sort of thing, like a relation to it, that is what I see a lot of these albums to be because they are, as we've said, manufactured to make money. And when you want to make money, you don't care about respect of your peers. You don't care about uh, longevity. You just do whatever you can to get your face about, to get your music out there, to promote yourself, to go on tour, to make money. That is what I see these acts being, which don't get me wrong. When we play weddings, we do get paid. However, there is a certain different art form in that we're all trying, you know, we all practice, we all practice with each other on our own to keep ourselves at a commendable level so that we are able to continue on and eventually get to a point where we can start releasing our own content 
and we can make money from that. That's the end goal. However, this is already their own content. All of these bands releasing these albums, this is already their own content. And it's just, I see it as the last little drop of Ribena in the bottle. And you've got a pint glass and you've gone bloop, bloop with the water. That's what these albums are. There's the tiniest bit of inspiration. Not even, like, it's minuscule, it's microscopic. You can't, the naked eye cannot see it but it's gone in the glass and it's been watered down with a number of songwriting techniques that are just bland. And they're just, uh, they don't even, th this is what I mean. Uh, when people say it's so bad, it's offensive. I expect horrendousness to ensue, but it's never the case. It never is the case. It's just like, oh, I can't remember this. This is struck, pardon the pun. This has struck no chord with me. It's very, very bland. It's very run-of-the-mill. It's too run-of-the-mill to be called run-of-the-mill. Um, yeah, so I'm listening. I didn't hate it. But for me, well, me personally, it's not something I'd return to because I, I've heard it. I've heard the extent of it now. You know what I mean? You listen to the White Album, you're like, oh, my God, I have to go back to this. You, you know, I have to experience this again because there's so much going on. It evokes feelings inside me, and I need to return to that. This is not that. Far from it. So this album mostly uses the same producer, or they call him a DJ or whatever, and it bloody well shows, mate. I can tell you that. I think there's one song on the album, which is either not a collaborative work with said DJ or written by someone else. Every single track, apart from one, is just this DJ is involved. Um, yeah. Another point I'd like to make, seeing as they already covered a song, they covered a cover of a song that never credited the original artist. I already had a mild dislike towards them. Um, can you guess what that song might be, Marv? Was it one of their first ones? Was it Ice Ice Baby? It was, mate. That's exactly the one. I heard that and I was like, you know, I I didn't particularly adore the original. Um, I think the original can never stand up to the song that it stole from because that, that's a work of art that transcends, you know, but it's fine. It is what it is. And then Jedward goes, let's make some money. You know, so I was kind of, I, I had an uneasy feeling about them anyway. I was already kind of like, well, I don't really think I'm going to overly enjoy this, but you've got to go in with an open mind so you never know what you're going to find. Now, I get the feeling this album did so well in Ireland because they actually made Ireland exist in Eurovision in a way that hasn't been seen in a while. Now, that sounds like I'm being callous and insensitive, but I genuinely believe that. I feel like that is the way, and I'm going to ask Asheen, I want you to tell me if that's a possibility. Um, I feel like you'll know more than me, and you can you could get a little survey and go out on the streets of Dublin. You get a little survey. Again. Did you did you buy Jebbard's album when it came out? <laughs> yeah, I think we should get like like we got with our friend uh, about the whole her, her her singing competition show experience. Let's yeah. ask, we could ask him what is a. Uh, I guess the impact of Jebwood and the perception of Jebwood in Ireland. 
Yeah, I think I think that would be a good plan. We'll have to do that. Yeah. Or if he's listening, crack on, machine. Let's do it, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I followed up, and this is crass and insensitive. Uh, I love the fact that Ireland supported them, though. It's almost as if they stood by their mistake, um, <laughs> being allowing them to perform at all. Now I'm joking, or am I? Oh, oh. Uh, suspense. <laughs> honestly, <clears throat> and I've said this so many times on this podcast, I'm sure people are getting bored of hearing it now, but I can't tell the songs apart. It's it's like a similar theme throughout. They sound very, very similar. But also, at least they have a sound. You know? You listen to it, you go, this is Jedward. Yeah, sweet. I know what they sound like now. Um, I know people that have that have really gone over the top and been like, oh, the worst voices I've ever heard. Nah, not really. They sing in tune. You can hear what they're singing. You understand the overall themes and the... Um, the emotion put across it's fine <laughs> again you know it's just it's just fine um yeah it left little to no impression on me they aren't changing the rules of music there's nothing enormously interesting going on but it isn't terrible the content is hugely accessible i've already touched upon that by saying how broad it is as we expected um yeah, you could tell it was made to make money, though. Yeah. Very, very much a cash cow. But when you look on Spotify and see nearly seven and a half million plays, yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, I respect that. Which is on the single lipstick, which is relatively catchy, if I'm honest. But it's very clearly juvenile, and lends itself to suggesting a younger and less mature audience, which again, kids at home are watching TV, especially around that time they were. So for that reason, you can understand it. Yes, of course, they're gonna sell. I've uh, thrown in a little thing here, which I think is quite cool. If the Beatles are the top end of flavor and interest, then Jedward or Walker's cheese and onion crisp with the flavor licked off. <laughs> You can take that home. Or like those, um, remember those salt, those salt crisps you used to get with the salt packet? Oh, the salt and shake. Yeah, and if you never put the salt in, you just eat like raw potatoes. Like, oh, that was that. It's, it's, yeah, it is that, mate. It is that, basically. Um, yeah, so I made a little comparison as well. If I'm honest, a lot of this reeks of the... Do you remember the... The noughties, the early 2010s, the teenagers getting pushed into studios by their parents and going, make an album. So like someone like Rebecca Black. Yeah. That whole thing with Friday. It, that's how it feels. Like the songs themselves, that's how they feel. They, they're, they're very inoffensive because of how broad the audience is and and the age of some of the younger consumers as well. Um, yeah, it's great. It makes money, but it doesn't stand the test of time. It's dated. You can hear it. You can hear 2011 oozing through those tracks. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very obvious thing. And it's very sort of, as I said, pop, synth pop. It's a very candy, flossy, 
major chordy, no real thought provoking. It's just there to be a nice sound, a nice comforting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. If you enjoy that, I don't let me stop you. Um, and something that did sort of shake me up a little bit, but also made me realize it just feeds back into something is that a lot of the songs cut off what feels like a little bit earlier than they should have. And then the next song starts really quickly. Yeah, totally. Now, this is, it gives up, well, two, two points. First of all, it gives a real sort of, yep, onto the next one, factory line sort of way of, of, of making an album just like so cookie cutter. So it's, it's like if in the, in the golden era of Motown, instead of having amazing, amazing world-class musicians and so much inspired songwriting going on, it was just like old John from around the corner with his acoustic guitar, his tone deaf goes, go, knows three chords in four different keys. And that's how it kind of feels. Obviously, it's it's not like that logistically. The, the, the production is extremely polished. It's very, very, obviously very, very well produced. Um, and that's part of the reason why it oozes 2011, because it's so sheen, it's very, very clean. It's very sort of, there's no mistakes. All of it's gridded. You can hear that. Um, no real instruments, nothing like that. Um, yeah, it's very, very factory, factory line, that sort of thing. However, I thought about this as well, and I only just thought about this, so... It could, it could be one of two things to my mind. Either they were like, yeah, yeah, get that done, get that done, get that done, sort that out, yeah, yeah, produce it, yeah, yeah, out it goes. Or they wanted to keep your attention, so they made the gaps in between the tracks as short as humanly possible. So it's like, bam, on to the next one. Bam, let's go, bam, 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 bam. And it's in your ears, and you're listening to it before you've got a chance to think about it. Here's another one, and here's another one. It's like... Good salesmen, they sell themselves, but also they're very quick. Yeah. Um, it's, or, or the TV. Uh, Marv, have you ever noticed, John, watching some on the telly, good volume, you're chilling, and then the adverts come on, and suddenly you're blasted back against the wall with how loud they are. Yep. If that's that's the beauty of it. That's what I think it is. Uh, or maybe it's like it's a market employee. It's like before you've even gotten over that track. Here's another one for you to for you to yum up immediately. Do you know what I mean? Very very unsettling. <laughs> um, I keep my speaker just here. In fact, I'll turn turn the camera. Go on. There she is. It all bows. So I keep that there, and I'll sit here, and I won't have it on mega loud. I'm just so both the speakers are coming at me, and I'm, I'm hearing everything. But for it to be like cut off, start like immediately off the cuff. I'm like, whoa, like good grief. What what a quick thing. Is it like that on the Ewan Quig album? No. It just feels very natural, one song after another. And again, yeah. this is you know, 2009. I don't think you know, streaming definitely was not really a thing in no. 2009. Maybe in 2010, 2011, it started to maybe creep up slightly. With how people were ingesting music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, as time went on, yeah. I mean, most, <clears throat> despite the re revival of vinyl, yeah, there is 
it is a big thing now and it, it gets bigger and bigger the more time goes on but um yeah it's just, it just sort of again tickled my brain i was like oh okay <laughs> on to the next one then i suppose um yeah so yeah the, the album's not terrible it's just not got a huge amount of feeling in it it's very very sort of bubblegum pop very processed very very sheen production is what you'd expect a jedward album to be which again at least you know what they're about um which is more than can be said for a lot of artists you know they've got their sound they know what they want but yeah it, it, it there isn't a single real instrument in it apart from vocals like not a single one at all. Wow! I did not hear a single instrument on my listen. No guitar. No. Wow. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's a hundred percent synths. Um, which is again interesting in itself. Um, it's very bland though, because with that sort of synth production sound you know there's going to be zero in terms of dynamics. It's just going to be one big line, and that's it. And with no with no sort of contours or, as we said, peaks and troughs, that's going to that's going to you're going to lose focus on that really quickly. I mean, at least I did. Having said that, it's not it's not twelve songs repeated in different keys. It just sounds like it is at the end. I was trying to remember certain songs, but I couldn't. And then I sort of like, oh, no, that's that one, isn't it? Um, Distortion's a bit cringy because they spell out half the word and then say the rest of the word. Don't do that. That's just, oh, go away. Um, Yeah. The other thing I wanted to point out, Lipstick peaked in Ireland at number one. It also peaked somewhere else, but not at number one, but at number three. Ooh. And it is in the last country you'd expect it to be, and that was Austria. Wow. It peaked at number three in Austria. Very, very weird, very odd. Um, but having said all that, they're not bad people. They they are involved in loads of charity work um, over the years. They've done pantomimes. <laughs> Is there anything that Jedward, or as I've put in brackets, Louis Walsh, can <laughs> do? Um, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I I read quite a lot about their cultural impact. This is very cool. So, whilst on the X Factor, Jedward's fans included Pixie Lot, Robbie Williams. Um, Brian Cowan, um, they also backed the singers while Leona Lewis said she was worried about them. And two leading British political parties, Labour and the Conservatives, I don't know if you remember this, Marv, they each released campaign posters parodying the, parodying the twins. No, I don't remember that. Very odd, because I don't remember it either, but apparently it happened. Um Gordon Brown came under fire in November 2009 for describing Jedward as not very good and later apologised for doing so. (laughs) Very odd. Uh, Following this, 
Louis Walsh stated, so Gordon Brown and Simon Cowell both have something in common. Neither of them know what the public want, which all I can think of is Kitty's Got Claws and Will Scratch. <laughs> um, David Cameron admitted that he enjoyed watching The X Factor and that Jedward were his favourite act. He also bought a T-shirt with their faces on it. Uh, the Irish Independent called Jedward Tone Deaf Twins, even though the pair were voted more popular than the Beatles in a teenage poll. Comedian Oliver Callan has parodied them on his show, Knob Nation. Um, that must be your favourite show. Knob Nation, eh? They were also in Sharknado 3, 4 and 5, two of which they starred as themselves. And we're on to the last bit, which is awards and nominations. So in 2009, we had the Loaded Laughters Award uh, for the funniest double act for which they were nominated. In 2010, the Sony Radio Academy Awards uh, nominated them for best promotion and they won. Then in 2011, the Loaded Laughters Awards um, nominated them again for the funniest TV personality. Didn't win it though. It's not that funny then. What? Not that funny then, are they? There you go, mate. 2011, the Marcel Bezacon Award. Something like that. Um, Lipstick won best song. Uh, So that's obviously a small undiscovered nation. And then we have their TV show, OMG, uh, Jedward's Dream Factory. Uh, The IFTA Awards, the Best Children's Youth Programme, was nominated, did not win. The Board Gals Energy Social Media Awards, (laughs) Best Online Programme, won it. And then again at the IFTA Awards a year later, they were also nominated. So... These two are saturated everywhere, in every single conceivable way. There is so much going on. They can present, they can sing, they can dance, they can make TV shows, they can act, they've been in movies, they've been in pantomimes, they've had cultural impact and influence, yet their album's dull as anything. So, this is kind of the point I'm getting to. It's it's oversaturation at its finest. You know, it's um, as much as you could argue a lot of these things. If I go to Iron Maiden's website right now, it's all about news and information and stuff. There's also a shop with lots of things you can buy. But it's not pushed upon me. I have to find it. That's the same with a lot of other things, a lot of other bands. Um, Whereas I feel like with Jedward, it's one big money ring. Do you want this? Do you want that? Oh, we, we have that. Oh, yes, we've got this. We've got that. You know what I mean? It's all one big marketing ploy, which is obviously something that a lot of people adopt. That is why we have us on a T-shirt on you. That is why my face is on a mug here. And that is why every now and again we say, do you want to be a Patreon? You know what I mean? That's why it happens. However, with Jedward, it's just, they're everywhere. They are everywhere, and they're having this revival now. It's almost like this whole COVID thing has made people sit down and go, I should get some more content now. <laughs> because when we when we look at these bands, artists, whatever you want to call them, um, 
yeah, there's a lot of them, a lot of the older ones that have either released an album last year or they're, they're releasing one this year or they've got some sort of tour announcement or something. It's very, very odd. It's very odd, but I hate the oversaturation. I hate the plastic falsified world that it all throws up. I hate the fact that it's all very manufactured. It's all very, very broad and open. It's so accessible for everyone. In a lot of ways, being accessible is a great thing. It is if you're the person making money. However, for someone like me or you, it just doesn't grab my attention. Uh, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because I think it's, as, as I've said before, rather than going, oh, no, I don't like that, or, yeah, that's rubbish, it's so crap. I'd rather say something like, well, it's not marketed towards me. Simple as that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, mate. It's just, uh, it's a money-making opportunity, isn't it? And the profiteers are always going to come out of the woodwork no matter what happens. If I if I was stuck on a roof in the centre of town, you can guarantee that everyone would stand around me and film me for approximately 45 minutes until anyone decided to call for help. <laughs> now it's due to the fact that there is an option of profit in there. Did you hear about the man hanging off the roof? I've got it on film. Want to <laughs> buy it? Is he naked? What's he doing? <laughs> he's got Please. this vegan peppered steak slice and he's <laughs> shouting about he's something. He's like, saying it tastes just as good as the original. There you go, mate. But no, this is the point. This is the point I'm trying to make. It's, it's very falsified. It's very synthetic. And if you like it, you like it. Great news. Wonderful. You need help. No, I'm joking, of course. But I'm, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm glad I dipped into it because it's still good to just make sure. <laughs> it's good to just make sure that I'm not missing out on something, basically. So just to double check, isn't it, sometimes? Go, is this really, and this is the whole point of this podcast, is it really as bad as people say it is? And you yes. go, no, it's just not for me. No. You know? And that's the whole point. Over-exaggeration is sometimes the, the pivotal point of a person's comedy. Uh, some things I do it myself. That is why I have had the track-by-track uh, -track, uh, descriptions and stuff like that. But, you know, I, 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 enough about me. What do you think, patrons? <laughs> do you think that these, uh, these artists are critically acclaimed that they should be critically acclaimed and they they're producing art or do you agree with the overall general opinion of me and marv that they are complete and utter arse let us know yeah, and if you please let us know if you aren't already a patron become one you will enjoy it you'll get little contenty videos little pictures little discussions we have a whole forum of these individuals who somehow evoke joy when they listen to us. Um, and I evoke joy knowing they sleep well at night. So, yes, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's about us, Marty J. <laughs> well, yeah, if I look at Jeb Wood's first album, which is all covers, I mean, all the small things, I heard that and I was like, this is... Oh, yeah. It doesn't, again, they never really deviate much from the original, which is the same as the Ewan Quigg thing. And yeah. it saturates the sound and they spell out, I think they spell out Jedward in the middle. Uh, got Ghostbusters, Fight for Your Right, Beastie Boys. 
I like to move it reel to reel. Teenage kicks, the undertones, you know. Definitely songs that everyone knows, but yeah, just kind of, you can see the demographic they're hitting for. And again, Jedward are a brand. And like you said, they're just going to monopolize that brand, do whatever they can. But also when we have a look at the game we're about to play now, that is James Merritt wins an X Factor contract. Um, You see that maybe they've kind of had to be coerced and forced into doing this maybe due to sales, maybe due to everything else. So let's have a look then. So Merritt is going to play the, the Meswin's x and has a contract game. So if we look around 2008, 2009, there he is, the happy camper. He's just won. There's his guitar. He, he plays that when he gets back from orphanage. song my orphan tail nice i like that i like that and in the video you can wear like a foxtail so it's kind of like funny you know take takes the dark edge off of it you know hmm. um, not that we want to make fun of, of people who are takes away from the scandal when the sun picks up that my parents aren't dead there you go there you go with your with the quote of your mum saying he was round for a pasty last week <laughs> there's just a photo of you absolutely just <laughs> Just sound like that. <laughs> so if we look around 2008, 2009, when the X Factor was still claiming to be awarding the winner of the show a £1 million recording contract, unbeknownst to the public, this was not true anymore. It had in fact been changed to a £150,000 advance on their first album. Now, the contestants who signed contracts were sworn to secrecy about this change, oh. along with a clause that prevented them from saying anything negative about the company, the personnel who work for the company, and especially Simon Cow. Oof. So here comes the game. Bear in mind, you, you know, you can still be awarded the one million pound if you kept if you're kept on to make four albums, Mez. You know, so if you look I'm, at I'm Jedward, making more than that after my fourth album on a major label. There you go. But look at Jedward. They've done four albums. They're awaiting a fifth album. That is how long typically these psycho contracts are. So maybe, you know, if your guitar doesn't fall over, um, you can hang on till four. But really, not a lot of people, I think, I, I think only maybe less than a handful of people have stayed on for more than four. Um, okay, so Mez, you signed the contract, you're ready to go. But first, can you pay for location costs, filming, wardrobe, marketing, the producer? Photo shoots, travel, vocal training, sound costs for a TV performance. You know, you pay for that out of your advance. That's fine. We'll chuck that on. We'll chuck that on. So you got 150,000, right? That's advance. Go make your round, but pay for that first, right? Um, but you can make 15% of the merchandise and single and album sales. You know, you're making, you know, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Oh, With another 7.5% from your headline tour, which we will get to, you know, you, you'll get there, mate. You'll get there, mate. You can still tra- chase those dreams, live in that penthouse in LA, you know, invite people over for coffee. Just sell a lot of copies, all right? Just sell a lot of copies of your orphan tale, James Merritt. Um, and you got this platform now because you won the show, right? General public, they bloody yeah. love it. They yeah. loved everything yeah. you did, right? Hmm. They'll buy your music. They'll be fine, all right? Okay, fair enough. Oh, I forgot some added expenses, mate. Okay, let me, 
let me add another one on. So we can put your TV ad for your new single. We'll put it in the first ad break for the X Factor, right? Because, you know, the song that, you know, the song that we picked for you, because like Orphan Tell's good, mate. But like what we'll do is I think Lean On Me by Bill Withers, you know, I think that should be your first single. Because I know that you love that song, right? I know that's like your favorite song. So we just know because we're the, you know, we're the producers, we're the, the people who have the record contract, right? You know, we can make you good at that, right? We just know it's going to be a hit. Lean on me. Think about it. Tough times when you're not strong. You weren't strong, right? You know? Often to put, put that, we'll keep that second album because that, that is good, mate. Don't, I'm not saying it's rubbish. I'm just saying, you know, we'll do lean on me, right? People know that stuff. They'll, they'll, they'll lap that up, right? So we'll put that. Let's do about 30 seconds, right? Let's do about 30 seconds. I mean, it is one of the most expensive slots, you know, in television. But, you know, you've got to pay to play, mate. All right. So happy with that. You want to do that, right? Good sales. You know, you'll, you'll get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Lean on me. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Okay. So let's see about 30 seconds. So, um, okay. That's about 125 grand. So you pay half from your advance. So let's, Let's round up 62 and a half grand, right? You pay for that. We'll pay for it. So, you know, we're, we're out of pocket as well, mate. You know, we're, we're doing the same thing. So, you know, still happy, still happy to yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's still in mate. Superstar. He's a suit. You want to see this bloke's voice. Oh, it's great. Isn't it? You know, um, you know, just sell. It'd be fine. Right. If you sell about 900,000 downloads, right. You can pay that off. That's fine. Only 900,000, right? Think about it. Everyone voted for you on the TV, right? 900,000 people is going to download your stuff, right? That'd be fine. Then you can start making some money, right? Some Wonga. Um, oh, we're going to need some more downloads, though, for you know, our merch sales to pay back all the other things as well, right? So, you know, you know, so what happens, mate? You know, the, the limos ain't free. You know, the saxophone player that we got in, you know, um, the real life orphan, you know, played in the music video for your second song, but you know, it was in Leon Me as well. Like, you know, it pays a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, if you sell two million downloads, you can break even. So, that's all you got to do two million, right? It's fine, right? You and Quig, right? I know he only sold about 26,000 of his copies of his album, right? But don't let that fool you, all right? He was a superstar, right? He was just unfortunate. Just things were what things were, right, mate? We'll make you a star, right? You're special. You know, no one's ever been in your book, right? So, you know, you won the most famous singing competition in the world. So um, regardless if the label, you know, us, we only need to make 300,000 downloads to kind of make everything back, make that 150 grand back. So like, that's fine for us, mate. We only get, we get, we get 40p per download. So that, that's, that's fine, right? You get, you get, you know, 15%. That's good. You can... You can live off that. That's better than exposure, right? Because you're always moaning, right? When you're doing gigs and people are going, oh, we can't pay you, but it's good exposure, right? Hey, we're paying you now. All right, boy. All right. Still, still on still on track? Still want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's happy. He is. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, don't worry about that stuff. So, okay, we got a TV interview lined up for you, Mez. Um, it's Loose Women. It's midday. Um, you need to talk about how excited you are for your single how nice and caring we've all been. Cause you know, we came down to that studio one time, remember? Just to make sure you were doing the lean on me single. Cause, cause we heard that you didn't like it, you know, and you were, you were, you were going to go on Twitter. And we had to delete that post cause you were, you were getting pissed off about Simon Cowell, you know, cause he kept telling us cause he was, you know, shouting at us. And then we were shouting at you to be like, you know, we're taking your Twitter away from you. Like record this song or else, you know, but like, 
obviously under contract, you, you got to be positive, you know, like you can't, you can't, can't slag us off, mate. So, you know, say how nice and caring we are, say how not controlling Salman Cow is, you know, how good he's been for your career, how happy you've been. You're happy to do that? Happy to, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Get, get a B studio audience. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to wear some nice clothes? Nah. No, sure. I mean, I mean, I'll wear you, this. well, if you don't, I, the contract might go bye bye, mate. Oh, oh, really? Oh. Uh, I, I, how about this? Save that for your second TV appearance. Yeah, okay. we'll save that. That was all right. That was all right. All so, okay, we're going to skip the 12 months later here. There's no second single planned. Because um, your first, you know, Lean on Me didn't actually do very well. Um, one our fault. I think you just didn't sing it right. You know, we did give you like, you know, four hours to do it, mate. So, you know, it's professional. You should be all right. But we're happy that you've done finally done your headline tour, right? Uh, you got to play Butlins and Minehead, right? That was the dream, wasn't it? That's the dream, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah must yeah, be yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. uh, we would put you on the Brits to perform, but I think that's about like a hundred grand for us to kind of, you know, chuck you on there. That's usually the fee. Um, since your single kind of, you know, limped into about I don't know, 147. You know, we didn't didn't really see the money back off of that. You know, this, the the downloads didn't really hit the the two million mark that you know we kind of agreed upon. Um, so that's not. Not not great, but you know, um, if you want to leave now and go it alone, like I think you should, we respect that. You know, you can still have a great career. You can, hey, you'll reach even higher heights without us because you know you're talented. You know, you're better than us, mate. You can you go for it. You can still make some more money. Hey, that whole performance fee at Butlins when you're eating your free free fish and chips free with either mushy peas or garden peas, right? Hey, backstage green room. I mean, kind of a green room. There was a bleach spill, but you know. It's fine. They, they said it wasn't that toxic. It's all good, mate. It's all good. But um, so, you know, we're sorry that you've cut your contract, but there are a few little loose ends, little loose ends. Right there. So um, you couldn't give us 5% of your live earnings for a year after the contract. Is that, is that good? Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you can't, you kind of have to because uh, you, you signed the contract, mate. Yeah. So that's fine. You know, um, you were so happy when you signed that contract. Remember that you didn't even read it. You just, you just went straight to the bottom sign. You're like, this yeah. is the best day of yeah. my life, didn't you? Little orphan boy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, how was that past year? That was, that was good, wasn't it? You bought out of your own money that you performed. Yeah. Remember? Music, right? Decisions. That was your decisions. Exactly. What stand up guy you are. I appreciate that. All the best with your next single. You know, hope it, you know, you're just find a photographer or, or you know, take a photo yourself, mate. Get doodle, clip art, whatever. Um, I've got to go now. See you later. I'm, oh, I made my money back. Um, Cause you know, we make money on the theme tune um, on the jingles, all the commercials. That's fine. We're fine. I think I've actually made money. I've got a bit too much money, but you'll be fine. mate. You'll be fine. You enjoy that experience, Mez? Cause that actually, those numbers are actually quite, they actually were the numbers. And some of those things were actually real to the contract that a lot of people had. If they left those contracts, they, you know, X Factor could, or Simon Cowell or Psycho could still make 5% earnings for, for an extra year um, to sell 2 million downloads just to cover your 150,000 pound advance um, with, you know, each subsequent album going lower and lower in advances, which is, is quite typical anyway. Um, yeah. So really after you kind of engaging in that torrid of abuse, how do you feel about that contract? How do you feel about those stipulations? How do you feel about now 
when you look at Jedward, you look at you and Quig, you look at all these other acts, uh, maybe how long they last or don't last. You know, they're not even allowed to say anything negative at all under contract. Um, how do you, do you view anything differently now? Um, I'll tell you how I feel. He's got the guitar. No, I'm joking. Um, so not only is it disillusionment to the public, not only is it lack of basic knowledge, but it is actually physically harmful for people. It is actually harmful. And these things are going to carry on. Because as we said, whilst there's people watching it, there's money being made. Someone somewhere is going, ooh, pockets, big, deep, deep, big pockets. Um, <clears throat> uh, but this is the illusion of television and entertainment, isn't it? This is the illusion of it. The illusion that everybody's fine. Oh, look how much money he's got. He's fine. Come on. But they don't see the ball and chain of the record label and debt to the record label, as we've discussed previously. Obviously, if you're going to become large and in the public eye, um, that may or may not happen anyway. Um, we've discussed before Paul McCartney having the pressure of everyone in his band doing drugs and the labels going, where's the album then? Oh, look at that. Oh, you owe us more. Oh, and more. Look at that. That pressure, it, it builds. And that's that's why artists do weird things, because they, they have mental breakdowns and they can't deal with this. The tour schedule is ridiculous and they're seeing very little in terms of return. Um, this is the same, except it's manufactured stress, because the X Factor, as a company, has money all right they have money they don't need to make returns but they make these investments based on the fact that they will um and it's like you've just made the point of um oh yeah you gotta pay this back mate and oh come on an amount of money one hundred and fifty thousand pounds they could give me 10 times that right now and not miss it um i'm not saying they should they should but i'm not saying they should um, because it's, yeah, the fact that they're squeezing these people dry. That's what's going on here. They're squeezing these people dry. It's, it's not a humane act, but the issue is because they are bound by contract and they do not read these things and people watch these things and prov provide money for these things, because don't forget those phone lines aren't free. Oh, no. Um and then you've got the merch, the X Factor merch, a bottle with X Factor written on it that probably costs nothing to make, but they've sold it to you for 15 quid, mate. They saw you coming. Ours are cheaper, so stainless steel water bottle with a stainless steel logo. With a little... Yeah, no, mate, it's, it's callous. It's complete crap. Um, and I try to immerse myself in that situation. Like I'm on my own. I'm an artist solely. And I've been lent 150 grand. Well, not really. About 62 and a half grand. Well, not really. And then you've you've got all these costs to factor in that I can't afford. That is a scary position to be in because you are owned by that label now. 
anything you do is governed by that label. And if you don't conform to what the label wants, as you said, bye then. Good luck on your own. See you later. But but even if you do, we've, we've still got a little bit of a tangle web in for a year. Yep. And it's criminal. It's criminal that it goes on. It is. And, you know, obviously there are bands and artists that don't go through singing competitions that yeah. sign probably equally or as bad or worse yeah. contracts. And it's happened. Uh, I think Blur had to be bailed out of their contract by a clothing company and they went on a US tour and it was disastrous. Uh, apparently the guitarist Graham Coxon smashed all the windows of the, the coach out in a drunken rage and they were fighting constantly, um, which I don't know if they're still in that contract now, but I think at the time of their documentary, um, they were, which was about 2013. Um, but again, it's like animals to the slaughter. There are constantly going to be people that either don't know this information, can't comprehend it because they yeah. haven't researched anything about music or the industry. They just want to go in and be famous. Their blinkers are on. Famous, 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 famous. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then suddenly the legal stuff happens. And until that, until people stop doing that and stop applying, that's when the shows are going to die. But they yes. won't. People will always think that they might have the X factor. They might have the gift, the voice, the talent. And they're going to continue to be on those shows. And what also complicates things is that you do get people that genuinely do have talent and kind of sneak through, which then yeah. reinforces the people that don't have the talent. Oh, I can do that. It's yeah. this weird vicious cycle, which is masterminded by Simon Cowan, all these people, and it works and it makes them money. They're not to blame. It's the people no. that turn up that do. Yeah. But this is the point. Like we say, until people go, yeah, should stop doing this, really. It's just going to carry on. And as I said, history repeats itself. We're at the Victorian Freak Show all over again. Well, if they started showing a double-headed, bearded woman, man, with uh, tentacles for arms, who was good at typing also, then I would definitely watch it. Good news um, for people in the sex industry. Oh, God, I'm a horticulturist. Um, we'll probably link that video down as well. We're going to link yes. that video down as well. So there you go. Yeah, another great episode, if I must say so myself, because I'm bloody going to say so myself. I don't care. I don't care. I've got the merch on. Buy the merch, Etsy shop, link down below, and all the other stuff down below. Patreon link down below. We're back. Mez is it's, it's balanceable on your, on your mouth. Um, they are microwavable and dishwasher safe, even though it doesn't say it. And they're um, vegan. And they're vegan. So take that, all you meat eaters, right? And Mez, he's already one for one on his vegan pepper steak slice. So go take that. Ginsters, hey, if some fall off the truck, you need to put them somewhere. Mez's house. Go get them. And um, shall we see what we're doing next week? I'm going to have a look. I'll have a look at my planner. All right, so he's... This is why I need my readers. Oh, I need my readers. Oh, oh, we're going to do the main songwriter leaves. And I think, the, I think the album that I will probably choose or one that's in contention is going to be Rude Box by Robbie Williams. Oh, not Rude Box. <laughs> 
Why are you so nasty? So there you go, kids, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, all them lot across the nations and the aliens. Um, have a good one. Have a safe one. I'm going to go skateboarding now. You're hard. Could be hard. Could not be hard. Could come back. Shell over, man. Um, say something funny, Mess. Go on. I ain't got anything. <laughs>